rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. I don't think we wished everyone a happy Father's Day last week. So a belated happy Father's Day. I had a great one. It was Star Wars-y. For the first time, the prodigal daughter returns, getting her daddy some Star Wars stuff. Tell you a little bit about it here coming up on the program. You are in the right place if you want to hear about my Father's Day. No, you're here in the right place. You want to hear about Star Wars here at Rebel Force Radio this week's show for June 21st, 2013. We've got a great one. If you're new to the program, I'll uh, do a little intro here. My name is Jason, and with me, my good friend and yours from Chicago, also a father. We'll see what kind of Father's Day he had. Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Wow, you had a Star Wars Father's Day. It's rare that you ever even come back from a holiday because occasionally I'll ask you, We've been off for, say, a Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Say, Did you do anything Star Warsy while we were off? And you say, no. <laughs> there almost is some sort of like sick delight in your voice when, when <laughs> you respond, too. But this time, oh. finally, Father's wow. Day rolls around and Star Wars comes into your life via your daughter, which makes a lot of sense because, you know, Star Wars is a story about fathers, sons, and daughters. That's true. You know, the daughter element gets lost, but... It it is very much so. I uh, got up on Sunday, uh, Father's Day, and um, was greeted by uh, m- my wife and my my daughter, and she had a little package there for me, and she said, "Happy Father's Day, Daddy," and she gave it to me, and it was a Star. A, a, I'm sorry, I learned this a couple weeks ago. A Lego mm-hmm. Star Wars set. It's the ATRT. Which is really cool. It comes with uh, Lego Yoda, which is she knew she picked this out. This is what I'm being told. She she went with Mama to Target, and she said, "I want to get something, Daddy, for Father's Day, and I want to get something Star Wars because he loves it more than anything." This is this is what she says: "Love it more than anything." She thinks I she thinks I love Star Wars more than her. Oh no! And it's only a slight exaggeration. That's a, can a slight of worms. Yeah, no, but she was so excited because she wanted to do something. She wanted to get something that we could do together. So she got me the ATRT. Has a uh, a destroyer droid. It has um, a clone, and uh, and and Yoda. And this, of course, the ATRT, which is such a cool vehicle. And I'm looking at it right now because she said, "I want you know, after we put it together, Daddy can put it on his desk when he does the podcast." So she was real. She had this really planned out. She had a vision. She had a vision. She totally had a vision for this. And so, of course, I get excited and I open it up. And uh, now Legos comes, they, they come in these bags. Have you bought a set recently? Like back in when I was a kid, you open up the box and you just, you know, pour all the pieces out. Now they come in these bags. These plastic bags. The plastic right. bags, yeah. So they have the different pieces according to the, you know, what, what you're making and that like the bags are numbered and then the pieces are numbered and all of this. 
so I mean, the pieces all have like individual. I mean, they're not numbered on the piece, Joe, but you know they have the catalog and it tells you like what piece that is and the the you know the the serial number because here's the cool thing: if you don't get all the pieces, if you have any pieces missing, you can actually go to Lego.com slash support and you type in the 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 model number for the set that you have and then uh you, you can actually go and you click like which ones you're missing and they send them to you i actually was missing a few pieces much to my disappointment but it did not stop us from building the atrt we did and by we i mean i built it as she lost interest within about oh a minute and a half <laughs> It was a big daddy daughter moment lasted yeah. a minute. Yeah, I, yeah, I was all I was like, "This is it. This is it. This is our first significant Star Wars moment together." Yeah, the father and the princess, uh-huh. and um, no, pretty much once she got Yoda together, you know, because the, like the, the the guys are all uh, uh, you know in pieces too, you know, the lightsaber, the hilt, the 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 body piece, the head, and uh, once she got Yoda together and started playing with him, it was over. That's all she wanted. Well, I'm with Bailey. I have no patience for Lego, even if it is Star Wars. <laughs> They're really, I mean, I i can see how this gets uh, addictive. Um, our good buddy Sheldon, he and his son uh, Chase, they're like really into Lego Star Wars. And um, I, I got to say, I was i was having a blast putting it together. I mean, I wish that she would have been a little bit more involved, but nonetheless. Anyway, it was really nice to have a, a Star Wars moment for my father's day and the wife got me a uh, bottle of Johnny Walker. So that made it even, <laughs> even better. Oh boy. Uh, I'm afraid to see what, what came what? out of that Lego. <laughs> what that the- those pops. <laughs> it looks kind of like an ATRT. I mean, after I got it all done, it's kind of, so what was your father's day? Did you do anything fun? Well, you know, um, well, everyone just busted my balls all day as they usually do, but I did get. I was a, say, how's that different from any other day? It's just the same as any other day. But I did get some vintage Star Wars items from the kids. They like to go out with Wendy to thrift stores, garage sales, flea markets. Yeah. So who knows where this came from? But it's a vintage magazine, The Empire Strikes Back official collector's edition from 1980 in really good shape too i'll take a picture of it and put it up on facebook and i'm sure a lot of our older listeners will immediately recognize this because it was on newsstands everywhere back in 1980 i recall my brother bill had obtained a copy of it and i remember reading his as a kid but i never had a copy of my own so here it is it was it retailed for uh Two ninety five back in nineteen eighty, wow. and it's a great behind the scenes look. A lot of photos at uh, some great Macquarie spreads here that take up a couple pages, and it's all about the making of Empire Strikes Back. So that was really cool. And then um, they gave me a box set of the Star Wars original trilogy VHS, and we are talking the uh, CBS Fox release that came out prior to the THX releases of 95. So I would put these around, you know, early 90s, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's just a cool little conversation piece to have in the old uh, Star Wars room. So so I was really touched by that. That's uh, that's, what a cool idea. I mean, for the the guy who has, not that you have everything, that's sand sweet, but you've got a lot of stuff. I like that they're going vintage on you and getting some old stuff. and, And actually... Um, 
you know, I mean, you, that, that's you can find that sort of thing at you know garage sales and thrift shops and all of that. So, what a cool idea! Yeah, so I thought that was pretty touching. Dylan made me this uh, internet Father's Day card, and he went and found the images online. He went to Google Images and typed in Jimmy Mac and pulled up a lot of uh, a lot of uh, old photos from uh, live shows that we've done in the past and uh, promo shots and trading cards, things like that. And I was really touched by that, too. Oh, so. all in all, a great Star Wars Father's Day fantastic. for me. Fantastic. Well, uh, happy Father's Day belated to all of our Star Wars dads out there in the audience. Uh, so we've got, a, we've got a great show. Um, finally, finally, we can say right here that the Clone Wars won an Emmy Award. And uh, Jimmy Mack had a chance to catch up with Dave Floney to talk about that. Of course, Star Wars Rebels and a whole bunch of other things. But first, we've got David Collins back with us here on Rebel Force Radio. He's the host of the Celebration Europe Digital Stage. Coming up in, I, I can tell you exactly, David, in case you don't know, 37 days and 13 hours. Wow, that is a stunningly accurate assessment of... Wow, so th- say that again. How many hours? Uh, it's 37 days and 13 hours. Wow, 13 hours. I better rest up. There's a lot to prepare for. <laughs> better start packing now. I know. Better but start you're, packing. You're an old pro at this, though. I mean, this is what, your fifth? I don't know. Now, let me you, see. I have to count. Let's see. Um, I The first one I went to was Celebration 3 in Indianapolis, but mm-hmm. the first one where I was a host on the digital stage was 2007, so I guess this would be my fourth, Your fourth. as All a right. host. Yes. That was close. My fifth celebration, my fourth as a host. Now, were my you... first time in Europe. Okay, I was going to ask if you had been to the, uh, the first Celebration Europe. I, I was actually going to go to the first Celebration Europe. It's funny because um, when Mary Franklin and I first talked about it, it was... Well, why don't you why don't you do the celebration in in Los Angeles, Celebration Four in two thousand seven, and then come to London and do Celebration Europe? But the Force Unleashed was in such a critical point that summer that it just didn't work out with production schedules, and so I needed to kind of stick around. and And I think it was coincided with E three that year, which mm. was a big E three for us, and yep. there was all kinds of stuff going on at that time. Um, so unfortunately, I missed out, but I'm really excited to go this time. Yeah. Now, f- the first thing I need you to do is I need you to exp- uh, explain how you pronounce where in Germany this is. Is it Maisonson? No, that's that would be French. That would be. Fr- I mean, yeah, Maisonson or Ma- whatever that. Fr- Maisonson. No. Uh, I think it's just <laughs> Essen, but you have to say it like you know, it's Essen. Essen. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, people say it's Mesa Essen. I think it's just Essen. I know that it's near. Mesa Essen? Um, <laughs> I know that it's near Dusseldorf, which every time I say that, someone always brings up Harry Potter. Oh, uh, Dusseldorf. Um, yeah, because it reminds them of Dumbledore. Well, oh, it does. It's, isn't that also uh, John Denver's real last name? Can we, <laughs> no, I, I swear. I, Dusseldorf? Yeah. I think, he has, I think he has a song about Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. Well, I. I, I can we get where are our judges? Where's where's our showrunner? I don't know. We, we need somebody to look that up. I'm pretty sure that that Rocky is John Mount Denver's. High, I don't know. I yeah, don't, I, I mean John Dusseldorf doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but anyway, all right. So it's close to Dusseldorf, and uh, this is your first. Is this your first time actually in uh, in Germany? No, this will be I think my fifth time in Germany. Um, and every time I've gone to Germany, it's been for uh, Lucasfilm. Uh huh. Um, I, I've gone to Gamescom 
a couple of times, and then uh, I went for uh, a press press tour of Force Unleashed two, and for an Indiana Jones game that we did uh, called The Staff of Kings. But uh, my first trip to Essen and uh, my first celebration in Europe, I'm actually really excited because there are a lot of um, a lot of Star Wars fans in Europe that that I've never had a chance to meet. Um, and you know, we're, we got a lot of great stuff lined up for them. Um, you know, we've got the 30th anniversary screening of return of the Jedi, which is going to be amazing. Um, you know, the, the 3d screening of episode two, which is going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Uh, All you people enjoy it now. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I personally, I can't wait to see it. You know, I can't wait to just uh, meet a bunch of folks over there. Um, you know, not everyone's able to make it over to Orlando or certainly over to Los Angeles when we did it in 07. So it's, it's kind of nice that, uh, we're getting to connect with, with those fans over there and, you know, so much exciting stuff coming down. The fact that Kathleen Kennedy's coming is awesome. Um, uh, that there's going to be a sneak peek of Star Wars Rebels. I, 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 you know, that stuff that I just, I just cannot wait to see and be a part of. I, you know, I've just met Warwick Davis in passing. I've never had a chance to work with him. The fact that he's a stage host and I'm a stage host. I, I hope he doesn't get too, you know, turned away by the fact that I'll, I'll probably be walking around with my Willow Blu-ray waiting for a moment <laughs> for him to sign it, you know. I don't Otherwise, know. I didn't say Return of the Jedi. I went straight to Willow. But hey, I love Willow. So <laughs> I do too. I, I, I picked up that Blu-ray. Day yeah. And, yeah, day and yeah. date of, uh, of release. I, I had to have it. I haven't even watched it yet, but I had to have it. Yeah, have One you ever noticed things. that there's like a there's a there's a a signature move that happens with some of the VFX? I was watching Willow the other day, and sorry, this is a total sidebar, but there is a signature move that I've seen three times of a giant creature eating something, taking the second last bite of the limb, and then turning to camera menacingly. I've seen it three times. The first one, of course, is the Rancor in Return of the Jedi. Right, right, right. Then you see it again in Willow. You see the two headed dragon. <laughs> That stop or you know the the I believe it's stop motion uh, it, dragon right eat, eat eat the the troll and then turn to the camera and then you see the T Rex do it in Jurassic Park as well and I'm wondering if that's like a signature it's an, is that like a they're signature all ILM right they're all ILM uh, shots yeah yeah it's like a little signature that they do and and I I, I just go up oh, there's the rancor every time I see that there's scene the rancor uh, so you got the, the Wilhelm scream and now the rancor. Yeah, in the T-Rex pavilion in Jurassic Park, every time I see that, I go, oh, it's just like the Rancor. It's like a little signature move that they do. Doesn't the Wampa do something similar in the special edition? I believe so. The Wampa does do that. You're right, Jim. Yeah. Maybe for the special, special edition. (laughs) Oh, it does kind of look up, yeah, because it's eating the Tauntaun and, yeah. Now, you're not dealing with stop motion there. That's Howie Weed. Yeah, we got to get Howie. We got to get Howie to to confirm that one. But the menacing look is... is (laughs) Two or two bites left. Um, the penultimate bite and the look. Yeah, we'll just call it the rancor. That works. Yeah, the, the head turn, the menacing right. head turn. You know. So, David, this is uh, the first convention, kind of with the new regime. I, I was wondering. I mean, does it does it feel like uh, any other uh, Star Wars celebration so far in the lead up, or does it kind of feel like you're in the new high school or something? <laughs> well, I think. Um, most of that is on is on the Lucasfilm side in terms of um, their responsibilities to Disney and 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 a lot of that's been honestly very transparent to me. It's been very similar. I've uh, been talking to Mary and and um, and uh, uh, my stage manager at the show, a guy named Esty, who's a really really great guy um, that's been working with Mary for years now. Um, that's all been uh, uh, very similar. 
And so, yeah, I'm excited. I, I know that a lot more Disney people will be there uh, to check it out. So um, it, it should be really cool. I mean, the fact that, that Kathy Kennedy is going to be there uh, should be great. Um, I think that that part of it will be different, you know, that mm-hmm. um, obviously we have episode seven that we all know about and all of the movies starting in 2015, you know, the Disney presence and, and rebels and all kinds of stuff. Um, there's just a, there's, there, it is going to be different, but right now it feels, it feels, uh, just like a celebration usually feels the way it ought to be very good. The way it ought to be. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Now feedback's spilling in fast and furious and most people want to know, is it true? You will be wearing leader hosen on the digital stage. <laughs> Oh, no, that's leaked already? <laughs> well, oh. we weren't supposed to bring that up? No. Oh, jeez. Yeah, the later hosen and the and the bratwurst and the pretzel. Yeah, no. Um, well, how embarrassing. You and Sansweet will end up dressed the same. When, well, I mean, he's got special um, Ewok later hosen that uh, <laughs> what, that, what I, that I hear like? is, what, is custom made. Fur leader hosen. Imagine yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I mean. <laughs> All right, now, let, let, me get this, let me get this straight here. Now, the Lederhosen, was it manufactured by the Ewoks, or is it made of Ewok? Uh, ooh, um, manufactured by the Ewoks was, where I w- was what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, for all, for all of those international Ewoks that are well, going well, to Well, we know that the Ewoks can actually make clothing. They made Leia's dress. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that tarp and rope thing or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So well, while we're eating your friends, yeah, we're gonna braid your hair, make you a dress. I love that. I never I realized how creepy that was until uh, Kyle and Jamie King were describing it. Now I can't, I can't watch that scene without thinking. Oh, you know what? I'm oh, glad. Man. I'm glad we brought up. So good. I'm glad yeah. we brought up Return of the Jedi and specifically Kyle's last appearance on the show, because David told me that he had a follow up to what Kyle was saying about. Ben and Yoda and their assumptions about the way things should have happened. They just simply wanted Luke to go in there and kill Vader. They thought that he was beyond redemption. And we think, at least I agree with Kyle Newman in saying that Ben and Yoda gave bad advice to Luke. But David, you have told me in the past, you thought it's a little more complicated than that. So Let's just take a second sidebar here and scratch beneath the surface of Return of the Jedi and Ben and Yoda and where they stood on everything that was going down in the galaxy at that time. Sure, absolutely. I think that, um, first of all, I want to say that uh, that section of the podcast a couple of podcasts ago with with Kyle and Jamie was awesome. And I absolutely agree with, uh, with Kyle and what he said about the return of what it means to be a Jedi, a true Jedi. And that really is the heart of that film. Um, and before I get into sort of the, the complexity of, of Obi-Wan and Yoda's response, I mean, I, I had a great moment at Celebration where Dave Filoni was with the crowd and talked about how George said Luke didn't really truly become a Jedi until he deignited his lightsaber and tossed it aside and refused to fight his father. That was when he became a true Jedi, when he refused to fight and he gave in to, or he, he refused to give in to the dark side of the force and instead stood up for what is right and what is true. So Luke made the right call at the end of Return of the Jedi. Absolutely. Uh, that's his father and he needs to redeem his father. What I guess what, what I guess I was getting at is that you know, the Shroud of the Dark Side fell in the prequel 
in the prequel movies. They could not see that Palpatine was pulling the strings and creating, fabricating this war between two sides in the prequels. Um, these Jedi, these uh, peacekeepers, uh, um, and these knights that stood for peace and justice for a millennia uh, were somehow con- connived into being generals in a war between droids and these humans fabricated to fight and die for them. I mean, it's pretty nasty stuff, right? So in that way, you know, Obi-Wan and Yoda, I mean, absolutely, they got sucked into the Shroud of the Dark Side, could not see what was going on. Once Revenge of the Sith happens, though, and they realize what's going on, um, and they try and stop it, and they're too late. The Emperor has won. They go into hiding. Uh, Yoda loses... He goes, he goes into hiding. Obi-Wan goes to Tatooine, hides the twins. Once you get to Empire Strikes Back and Luke is the new hope and he's training under Yoda, what they're talking about is they're talking about a mass murderer named Darth Vader that they have more of a context for than Luke at that point can ever have. And this is what I guess I was going to say was complicated. Um, there was a Star Wars Return of the Jedi uh, Infinities comic that I read where where Darth Vader at the end of it is actually redeemed and he's dressed in white robes and becomes part of the New Republic. And I always thought, you know, if Vader didn't die, Vader had to die at the end of Return of the Jedi. If he hadn't died, he probably would have at best been tried um, and potentially executed as a war criminal. And if he wasn't, then there would have been a galaxy-wide out, you know, outrage and riot and and riots and call for this person to be brought to justice. He is someone that committed mass genocide, destroying planets, and basically, for that galaxy, Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader are are they essentially the Hitler of that galaxy. And if and if you think about um, Luke Skywalker having this horrible, horrible burden of. Not only is that person my father, which means I potentially have that dark side energy within me as well, but in order to do what's right, I have to kill him. Well, you're our last hope. Well, yeah, but I'm his son. He has to believe that he can redeem his father. Just like I was thinking the other day about, um, excuse me for going Lord of the Rings for a second, but the reason why Frodo is so is so uh, is so sympathetic towards um, Gollum is because he sees what he'll become. He has to believe that Gollum. It has some good in him or else he knows the ring's going to destroy him. And so he trusts Gollum, even though Gollum turns on him at the end. It's the same. It's the same idea with Luke. Luke has to believe that there's good in his father or else. What does that say about him? There's a lot more Gamorrean guards to choke and it only gets worse from there. Right. (laughs) So, so, so Luke has to believe that there's good in him, but Kenobi and Yoda walked the Jedi temple and saw slaughtered corpses of children. And any in any uh, modern day setting, I think we would all agree that if you know if a, if a, if if there was someone that was on a crime scene that was committing murder or there was a terrorist act or there was a bombing or anything like that, you, you I mean those people are are immediately uh, taken care of because they're a threat beyond a threat to uh, the safety of innocence. And Darth Vader falls into that category. And that's all I was going to say is that if, if, if you look at the reality of, of all of the crimes that he had done in the Galactic Empire, of course they want him dead because, because they know what they've been through. Luke, it, Luke, and this is what's complicated, and that's actually to me what's beautiful about the end of Return of the Jedi is that Luke, in spite of all the odds, has to 
try and redeem his father. And had he redeemed him and he lived, it would have become very, very complicated. But because of Vader's past, he had to be spiritually sort of redeemed by Luke. And he had to sacrifice himself. He had to give that gift in order to redeem himself. You know, so I, anyway, I just was kind of listening to it, just thinking I don't want to dismiss Obi-Wan and Yoda as idiots because I don't think they're idiots. I think that they have to take that stance and Luke has to take his. And that's where the central conflict of that scene is. Is it bad advice? Yes, but it comes from a very, very um, bad place. They were at war and this person turned on them and committed atrocities uh, in the name of the Empire. So that's all I was going to say. Wow. Chew wow. <laughs> on that. Yeah. David, yeah. do you find yourself thinking about Return of the Jedi a lot more these days now that we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of it? And of course, it was so great to hang with you and watch you work your magic on Kyle's documentary, Return to Return of the Jedi. Got to hang out with you last month in your studio in L.A. And um, you were a producer on that and uh, you did all the sound editing. And so are these kind of new revelations to you? Or are these things you've been cooking on for a while? Um, I would say that it's, it's definitely fair. It's definitely fair to say that I've been thinking a lot more about Return of the Jedi this year. And, um, I've had a blast talking with Kyle about it. Um, you know, ever since moving to LA, I've been able to, to hang out with uh, Kyle a lot more. Sam and Sam Whitwer and I have been friends for years. We always talk about this kind of stuff. We have talked about the prequels so much, and it has been such a focus because of the Clone Wars continuing to go. Um, you, you know, we've probably spoken more about the Phantom Menace than any movie in the history of the world. We have spent hours discussing the Phantom Menace um, and, in all of its wonderful controversies. Um, but now this shift, there's definitely been a shift towards Return of the Jedi and the attention paid to it. I think for for multiple reasons, of course, the 30th anniversary, but because we're now looking forward in the chronology past Return of the Jedi, this is our jumping off point that informs us of what could potentially come with Episode 7. So I think there's just kind of a natural shift to looking at, at, at Luke Skywalker, looking at um, all of the EU and all of the potentials, all the potential places that, that Kathleen Kennedy, Michael Arnton, and J.J. Abrams can take this story and we're just chomping in the bit for more. You know, we want to find out what happens to these characters. And I love the speculation on the last few podcasts. I love the ideas that are coming out of it, um, the unpredictability of it. Um, I love the EU. I've read a lot of the books, um, as I know I've mentioned before on the show. But I also like the idea that that we can be surprised and um, maybe in a, in a really, really wonderful way. Um, you know, someone that's worked a lot on EU uh, myself, especially in video games like Force Unleashed and things like that. I, it is always hard when you see those kind of changes. Um, but sometimes those changes actually spur other new, creative, wonderful ideas. And so we're just in a really interesting time where I think the, the return of the Jedi is very, very relevant and at the top of mind for a lot of us that are Star Wars fans. Indeed. Indeed. And there is a uh, screening of Return of the Jedi, 30th anniversary as part of Celebration Europe 2, that'll be on Friday, the 26th, uh, right there in the, in the Gruga Park. And the, how cool is that? Outdoors, Return of the Jedi on the big screen, and you can picnic while you're watching Return of the Jedi. 
So you can That'd eat. That'd be awesome, Jimmy. You can eat cauliflower as Darth Vader turns into a cauliflower. <laughs> the end. <laughs> they, they, you know, I've been to uh, Germany, and they don't seem like the type of people who sit around eating cauliflower. It's a, it's a lot of sausage and boiled chicken and that kind of some Wiener Schnitzel, perhaps. Uh, Really amazing stuff. <laughs> so, hey, you know, um, you, you've hosted the digital stage. Now this will be your fourth celebration. And one of the all-time highlights of your celebration career has to be Star Wars Smuggler's Gambit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the Smuggler's Gambit was amazing. Um, I want to do another one. Yeah. Well, you know, we, of course, are always talking about uh, doing maybe a couple more. So, um you know, we just hope everyone is patient with us while we try to make that happen. But it's something we never give up on. And I was just going through a lot of the old audio files from that. And I uh, stumbled across the the one rehearsal we did. It was a Skype rehearsal. It was you <laughs> and me and Kyle and F.J. DeSanto. And oh, no. you guys did, you did Han and Kyle and F.J. picked up the slack. I heard you say, oh, no, because I did. I had to. Are you going to play a recording? Just a a tiny little bit, because I think this is is fascinating behind the scenes stuff, because you have you playing Han Solo, which you do so well, rehearsal and live. But we have Kyle Newman as Princess Leia in this scene from the rehearsal. (laughs) Never before heard before. Never before heard before. Figure that, <laughs> figure that sentence out. And uh, so I just want to play a little bit because it just cracked me up to hear Kyle doing Leia. We're back, your highness. Another botched mission, Captain? <laughs> At the rate you and your pal are going, we're going to be floating around here forever. Hey, now, just... Do you have any idea how much time you've cost us? Unlike you, I'm not comfortable aimlessly drifting through space waiting for an Imperial Patrol to blast us out of existence. Listen, would you let me... Oh, I see. No smart act of remarks this time, huh? Do you have anything to say for yourself, tough guy? You won't even let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think, actually, that Carrie Fisher's voice is, is now is lower than Kyle's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> but uh... Get Kyle to do some dubbing. But you know, episode seven. Kyle left nothing off the table in that performance, though. He brought his A game. There's no question about it. He's going to probably kill me for playing that, but I, I couldn't <laughs> help it. I just couldn't help it knowing you were going to be on with us tonight, David. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as long as we're talking smugglers, uh, we, we had a uh, custom action figure contest, which we uh, ran on this show in conjunction with the Customs for the Kid blog. And uh, we ran it uh, here and on Facebook. And we have a winner, David. We have a winner. You were one of the judges in this contest. And uh, we went with this great Ro Karata custom action figure. And Ro, of course, was played by Sam Witwer. And uh, we have the winner of the contest on the line with us right now, a guy named Luke Sprywalker. That's a cool name. Yes. Coincidence? (laughs) So uh, you with us, Luke? How's it going? Great, great. Uh, thanks for joining us on Rebel Force Radio. Congratulations on winning the contest. Thanks Bravo. so much. So you hey, congratulations. That's, uh, thanks the, so much. I'm honored. You're, uh, you're with David Collins, who was Han Solo in Smuggler's Gambit and also one of the judges. Awesome. Hello, How are you Dave? doing? Doing great. Yeah, congrats on the figure. It looked amazing. Thanks a lot. We had a lot of fun making it. So um, why did you decide to go with Ro Karata? 
just because it's a really, it's a really cool uh, character. I like the character description, and uh, you know it doesn't hurt that Sam Witwer played the character, who's like one of the coolest dudes ever. It seems like not that I've met him, but uh, you know I've, I was at his panel at C six, and uh, I've heard him several times on Rebel Force Radio. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do is uh, listen to you guys' podcast while I'm in my lab, as I call it. <laughs> yeah, you're in the lab creating those custom action figures, huh? So, like, how exactly. many have you? How many have you done over the years? Oh, wow! I don't have any idea. Um, <laughs> I I really got into Star Wars uh, with the re-releases in the '90s. You know, like around '95. Yeah, and me and my sons. Uh, started popping heads off of pilots to make more rebel pilots and, you know, things like that. And <laughs> after about five years of just playing around for fun, I, I started doing, you know, more doing painting and recently doing sculpting and casting parts so that I've sculpted and things like that. So I've been doing it for about 15 years now, if you can believe that. <laughs> That's great. That's a great hobby. And, you know, for those who aren't familiar with what customizing action figures really is, it's you take an existing figure typically and you add modeling clay to it and sculpt features onto it and you repaint it and and make it into a unique figure that you can add to your collection. If there's a character that was in the films that you haven't seen represented by Hasbro and you want to create it yourself – very artistic and industrial dudes like you, Luke, take it upon yourselves to make those figures. And it's a, it's a fun hobby. I've done it a lot myself in the past. And um, so you probably got the inspiration to make the figure because you're a fan of Sam's, but you got the visual from Paul Bateman's illustrations that showed up in Star Wars Insider. Exactly, exactly. And uh, character descriptions that were given... I guess from Kyle and uh, F.J. DeSantos. Right on. Yeah, yeah. So those guys, uh, and they were also judges. And and so on behalf of all those guys, Sam, too, who uh, also saw your action figure, and he thought it was killer. I I just want to say, you know, congratulations. Oh, yeah. Awesome. That's that's great to hear that. And uh, we got a a killer prize pack heading your way. Um, We have some uh, Star Wars autographs for you from... uh, James Arnold Taylor, Jamie King, and uh, we have some video games mm-hmm. from Sony, courtesy of uh, David Collins and Sony, uh, Sony PlayStation. We have a DVD of The Force Within Us, courtesy of Chris Mocked. And uh, I think there are a couple other cool little things we threw in there as well. So be looking for that to show up in the mail any day now. And uh, thanks so much for contributing to our uh, little custom action figure contest. Super cool, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's, it's so cool that you guys took the opportunity to do something like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. And uh, maybe when we do the sequel, we'll give you a call and uh, see what you could whip up for that. Yeah. Oh, I'm down for it. Let awesome. me know and I'll be on it. All right, man. Well, congratulations. And uh, thanks a lot for uh, checking in with us. Glad to do it. You guys have a good night. All right, man. Thanks, Luke. Congratulations. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right, congratulations, Luke Sprywalker. Now, uh, David, have you ever customized an action figure? You ever gotten high on the Sculpey? Well, <laughs> well, no, I've never gotten high on the Sculpey. I think the most custom I ever did was uh, paint the bottom of the feet red so I knew which ones were mine when I took them over to my friend Mark's place. <laughs> oh, um, do you still I, have any so- of those red-footed action figures from the vintage days? 
I think I do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I've got, you know, uh, I've got old stormtroopers and things like that. And I, you know, one one figure I remember, <laughs> I remember at one point I was uh, putting putting Star Wars figures basically all over uh, this room in my grandmother's house, you know, just playing with all these new Return of the Jedi figures. And I had I had a weak way uh, skiff guard action figure. And I remember it very well because of the way his arms positioned, he could hold his kind of his vibro axe with two hands which right. was really cool if you oh, remember yeah. that figure absolutely well i put that figure i was placing figures all over the place as if like you know uh part of this room was you know the entrance or the hills to java's palace and i put the weak way this is my <laughs> wise seven-year-old brain at work um i uh, there was a lamp in the room it was getting dark and i put the weak way on the light bulb and the lamp Uh-oh. and there was this horrible smell after about five or ten minutes. Oh, no. Um, let's just say I permanently crippled the heels of that weak way, and I took it off, and it just was like this sticky goo coming off the light. And so I, I still have this. I should try and find it. It's somewhere in some box somewhere in the, in the deep in the closet, uh, maybe in the garage. But uh, this weak way with just these crippled heels, of, uh, and you can actually see where it just kind of stuck and got pulled off the lamp. And oh. that's, about, that's about the extent of my modification of action figures. <laughs> I think I may have lost a couple of arms here and there, and I remember having the C three PO that you could actually put a, pull apart and put on Chewbacca's back. But other than right. that, not too much. Okay, so that's not a whole lot of cousin. I'm just trying to get over the, what the smell of a burning weak way might be like. I, I mean, burning hair is bad enough. Imagine a weak way. Don't try this at home. <laughs> Sounds like a fire hazard. Just oh, I heard this thing on Rebel Force Radio. <laughs> Uh, 10 o'clock news. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you find that action figure, take a picture of it, and we'll put it up on our Facebook page. We'll also put uh, a picture of uh, Luke Sprywalker's Ro Karata figure, too. And if you haven't seen it, it's up on the uh, Smuggler's Gambit Facebook page. So, But, yeah, if you can find that figure, give it to us, because I want to see this thing with the deformed feet. Now I, I got to find it. Yeah. I, th- I think we need to have, like, the Island of Misfit Star Wars toys. I'll get my green Chewy, uh, you know, my, my Chewy that turned green. Green um, arms. Green arms, green arms and green legs. And as a matter of fact, my neighbor, who is a listener to uh, Rebel Force Radio, uh, I was sitting out on the on the deck and he comes walking over and he has this kind of half smile and he holds out his hand and there's a vintage Chewy without the green arms and the green legs, which I hadn't seen in quite a while, out of the package. So apparently it only affected uh, some of the Chewy figures. And I, I know for a fact that mine was a Return of the Jedi back, or a Return of the Jedi carded uh, Chewy figure. So maybe they just, maybe they skimped on the plastic, Kenner, as they as they uh, evolved. But I guess I'm not the only one. We've had several posts on the Facebook page that had the green Chewies. Yeah. Jason, do you, do you remember your first Star Wars action figure? Do you remember which character it was? Well, that I that was my own, my very, very own, and not yeah. sh- having to share with my older brother. Um because I was born into a collection of Star Wars figures, but my first, my very, very own that I ever got was uh, Bespin Han. And ah. it still is, <clears throat> the vintage Bespin Han, still one of my favorite figures of all time. Something about that one. I don't know. I think it was because up until that point, I, he had that deformed huge head, right? The, the, uh, the, right. The, the Mo Howard. The. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, he looks like Mo Howard. Well, he does. You're right. Why they ever thought that that looked more like Harrison Ford than that than the little head version? But uh, I'll never know. But it, it was like, oh, this finally looks. Of course, back then you're like, oh, it looks just like the movie. And you look at it now, and it's barely better than a Lego. 
uh, face. But um, at the time, it blew our minds. It was like, wow, that looks just like you know Han Solo movies. That was my my first. I I got a question for you, David. We were talking, and I think Jim. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. We also asked this question. We were talking. We were reminiscing about the first time we walked into the store and saw the figures for Return of the Jedi hanging from the pegs. And for a lot of us, it was before we even saw the film. Uh, did you? Do you have a, a, a similar experience with the the Jedi figures? I feel like the first one I saw. Um, I don't. I don't remember seeing figures hanging in stores. I remember seeing them show up on the playground. And I think the oh. first one that I saw that just completely fascinated me was the Emperor's Royal Guard with, like, the real cloth robe. Right. On there. Soft and goods, they call the it soft, now. Yeah, the soft, the soft cloth. <laughs> I, I was just like, this, man, toys have gotten advanced. <laughs> like, this, this isn't like a plastic Vader cape or anything. This is like real cloth. Right, yeah, but you took you that know? home and your dad thought you were playing with a doll then. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that thing looked so cool. Yeah, and it was great. I remember seeing, um, it kind of reminded me too of, or the Emperor's Royal Guard in general just reminded me of the Black Hole, that, uh, that Disney 70s, late 70s yeah, movie of, right? of, you know, of Maximilian. Maximilian! Sure. Yes. <laughs> you talk about playing with dolls. I saw my brother over the holiday weekend, and he told me, and this was a continuation of a conversation we were having on the previous Rebel Force Radio, where we were talking about Princess Leia's hairstyle, the Star Puffs. And how you could actually fashion her hair in these special designs with the vintage 12-inch Leia figure. (laughs) And how it's funny that occasionally you find these things at flea markets, what have you. And she doesn't have the star puffs anymore. And she just looks – her hair is crazy. She looks like some mad bag lady. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mad bag lady from outer space. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she looks like. And uh, so this brought about a revelation for my brother, Bill, over the weekend where he said, hey, you know, uh, it's not that it's not impossible to uh, restyle those star puffs. And I just turned slowly at him. I said, oh, do go on. (laughs) He said that there was there are these little um, round hoops, plastic hoops that came with the action figure. And those hoops are key to fashioning her hair into those star puffs. And he found these plastic rings, hoops, rings, whatever you want to call them. He found them online and informed me that it's actually quite easy to style (laughs) her hair in those star puffs, which, of course, gave me these mental images of my 41-year-old brother <laughs> sitting there with the 12-inch... I mean, basically, it's a Barbie. Let's just face it. <laughs> right. Well, yes. And, you know, fashioning her hair into the star puffs. I just... Yeah, but then who's behind Bill fashioning his hair? Like, I, like I, it, it's this chain that It'll I see going on. Right? They're giving him a break. <laughs> exactly. Later hosen-clad Ewoks. <laughs> Braid him up. God, I think I had a dream about that at one point. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's is good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, Jim, are you saying is this like a is this a uh, uh, an aftermarket part or is this actually it actually came with the, the Leia doll? Apparently, this day. actually came with the Leia doll. All right. And all kids, being kids, were curious as to what was keeping the hair all together, and they pulled those little rings off of her head 
and couldn't figure out the right way to get them back on. And so most kids just gave up and ended up losing those little plastic rings. Not Bill. Oh, no, no. He went out and sought them out. <laughs> and then he looks at me and he says, hey, you know that uh, foam garbage that went with the vintage uh, Death Star compactor? And right. I said, yeah. He goes, if you need some, I got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> It was the most bizarre vintage toy conversation I ever had in my I, life. I got a guy that can got, get you the foam garbage. Got a guy. Wow. He looked at me. It was kind of like with a, a wink, too. Oh, okay. This sounds, like an, this sounds like an eBay business in the making. I mean, I can get you foam pieces of Death Star garbage. <laughs> you can make a killing selling this stuff. I got orange. I got red. I got Stormtrooper poop. I got it all. <laughs> But can you get me more quicksand for my Dagobah? Uh, potentially, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just like, uh, yeah, and I can get you pieces of rocks for the, uh, for the Alderaan post-destruction playset, right? <laughs> That's funny you bring that up. I saw an image online. I couldn't tell if someone just created this with Photoshop or if this was an actual picture of a custom piece someone did. But it was vintage packaging, a cardboard box, and oh, yeah. it was opened up, and there were rocks in there, and the image on the front said, Alderaan playset. And it was- <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I, I saw the same thing, and I just I laughed. There's that one, and of course, and there's the oh-so-tasteless um, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru uh, packaging as well. I don't know if you've yeah, seen you that. You know, a little birdie told me at one point that that was dangerously close to actually happening. The no. charred remains of Beru and Owen. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very close to happening. Not wow. going to name my source, but <laughs> Dan Curto. But he, <laughs> that, that one was going to happen. <laughs> and, and uh, I mean, if you recall, I think it was Celebration 4 where we saw. Um, and, you know, they should have done this for the 30th anniversary. Hasbro dropping the ball once again. But they should have done this for the 30th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. They had the Funeral Pyre Vader playset. David, do you remember seeing that in the oh. cases there in the Hasbro display? No. I oh, know I missed that. What uh, at Celebration At Celebration 4 this was. Jim, you may recall this cuz we were like, no, there's no way are they really going to do this. And sure enough, it was going to be a a, a uh, I guess it wouldn't be a full playset. It would be more like a deluxe figure, but there you had Vader laying on the pile of sticks with the flame and you had a Luke, you know, Jedi Luke with the the little uh, you know, the when his when the little flaps down on his on his on his shirt and he had the torch and he was about ready to light it up. Yeah, yeah, this was going to happen. In fact, they they had the the prototype there, sort of gauge people's reaction, and wow. uh, never We're never to happened. Get some photos of that up on our Facebook page. Funeral pyre Vader. Yeah, that's something a lot of fans have wanted to see over the years, and I've seen a lot of custom action figures of that actual scene, complete with the Luke holding the uh, the torch, getting ready to uh, light yeah. him up. Yeah, well, it was it was that almost happened. And then of course my, my favorite is the. Uh, the card with the empty bubble that's, you know, the force yeah, that you can buy. I like that one, too. <laughs> but uh, I would say that probably the most tasteless would be the the Baru and the Owen. Although the the, yeah. the Rocky Chunks of Alderaan is pretty. Maybe a cereal. That uh, could be a cereal, the, yeah. Rock. Rocky Aww. Chunks of Alderaan. Yeah, perfect. I was going to say, I was going to say Leia Star Puff sounds like a cereal to me. <laughs> no, totally a cereal. I don't know, Joe. I, I, I want to see... Someone has got it. I, I want to see someone upload a video to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio of somebody performing the hairdo of the Star Puffs on the vintage Leia figure. I want to see how easy this is. Bill's saying that all you need are these plastic hoops. Someone out there has got to be able to do this. 
Bill has it. So I just got to get him to do it. Right. <laughs> Let's get him to shoot the video. Even better. Even better. Yeah. Yeah, tough guy. You think it's so easy putting the puffs back on? Let's see it. I got a guy. You got a guy. It's amazing what we can accomplish when we uh, when we put our heads together. <laughs> now we're going to have videos of people braiding dolls into star puffs. <laughs> Next up, world peace. That's we can do this. <laughs> we're on the road. And they say we're just some nerds in our basements. No, I... no, no. We're, we're like the wild stallions of podcasts, you know. <laughs> We're like Bill and Ted save the universe. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, David, uh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And uh, we're so happy for you that you are going back to the the celebration stage there. Um, and uh, we, we can't wait to hear all about it. Jimmy Mack and I, at least as of today, uh, will not be able to go. So will you uh, come back on the program and tell us all about what happens? Oh, man, I'd love to. And I wonder if there's a way that we can, you know, take advantage of the time difference or something and and maybe do some kind of uh, update on the show or something. If you're oh. if you guys are recording that week, it Absolutely. might be kind of fun to just do something from the uh, from the actual celebration, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you think you would have the time to do something like that, uh, for sure, we'd love to do yeah. that. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it, and uh, really looking forward to meeting uh, you know a bunch of new Star Wars fans that I haven't had a chance to to talk with and geek out about the wars, as Jimmy calls it. Yes, and um, look forward to chatting with you guys soon, and um, really enjoy listening as well. I've been uh, you know on my walk to work, I, I I take a listen, and I just I'm like a madman laughing uh, <laughs> with my headphones on as as I'm walking down the street. I probably draw stares. Well, <laughs> Uh, David, where can uh, folks go if they want to hear more Star Wars talk from you? Um, you got you doing the Twitter or the Facebook thing. What, what's the best way for people to to follow what's going on with you? Yeah, um, mostly I think Twitter is just at David W. Collins. Um, you know, and uh, I um, uh, I talk about a lot of stuff there. Of course, I talk about my work at Sony as well. We right. just just released a game called The Last of Us last mm-hmm. week, uh, which is which is doing really really well. That we're you know very proud of my sound team. That's that's worked on that, um, and uh, I talk about games. I talk about Star Wars a lot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, at David W. Collins, and uh, hope to uh, connect with more people on there. Fantastic, David. Thank you so much. We'll uh, catch up with you soon. All right. Thanks All so right. much, guys. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Bye. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Smuggler's Gambit, a new Star Wars audio adventure, written and directed by Kyle Newman, co-written by F.J. DeSanto, and produced by Rebel Force Radio's Jimmy Mack. Recorded live at Star Wars Celebration 6 in Orlando. Put the choice! Smuggler's Gambit stars David Collins as Han Solo and features the talented cast of The Clone Wars, including Ashley Eckstein, Sam Witwer, Dee Bradley Baker, Tom Kane, Matthew Wood, Matt Lanter, Claire Grant, and Daniel Logan as Boba Fett. Hey, who's shooting at us? Leaving so soon, Solo? Shields, Chewie! I said shields, Chewie! Hear Smuggler's Gambit, a Han Solo adventure for free. And watch the behind-the-scenes video at StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. We should have left after the Death Star, huh, Furface? That's StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. Well, after five years, and uh, Jim, you and I 
covering the Annie Awards and uh, the Emmys, Clone Wars finally, finally brings home some gold as it uh, wins an Emmy, the daytime Emmys. You know, it makes you feel good after supporting this show for the last five years, getting to know all the personalities behind the scenes and the actors and realizing what really great, talented and wonderful people they are. These kind of accolades are long overdue, and thankfully, uh, because of the Daytime Emmy Awards, you know, the Clone Wars has never been eligible for Daytime Emmys in the past, but they did win big this time. And the, the reason they were eligible this time around is because Clone Wars was moved to Saturday mornings. So <laughs> that little technicality worked out in our, I say our favor because it's the home team, you know? Right, of course. Um, worked out in our favor. And, and here it is. The Clone Wars walked home with the big award for uh, essentially what is best animation. They have kind of a strange title for it, and I don't have that right in front of me. So I'm going to pull that up right now. But the Clone Wars won essentially what was the award for best animated show. It's... um. Here, let me just pull this up real quick. There we go. Ah, uh, best animated show, aka, as they put it in daytime Emmy speak, outstanding class special animated program. <laughs> <laughs> How do they get that on that little trophy? Right. Jeez. <laughs> and uh, so it was a really cool night in LA. Happened earlier this week. Carrie Fisher was there, and she was there to present the award for Outstanding Class Special Animated Program. And she was classic Carrie. So we ask all the kids out there to put on your Star Puffs earmuffs. Uh, Auntie Carrie is going to take the microphone. And, and, you know, anyone who's familiar with Carrie's material over the last few years through wishful drinking, uh, her book and her live performances of that, uh, you know that whenever Carrie's behind a live mic and has an audience in front of her it it turns into something of a therapy session for carrie uh she uh, (laughs) instantly goes into some rehab talk (laughs) you know what i'm saying and this instance was uh a perfect example of that happening as you know it always does when carrie takes the mic and it was very funny too our nominees they take us into worlds we've never seen before Unless, like Ozzy and myself, you've taken acid, in which case, um, yeah, yeah, with the same dealer, in which case, um, this category doesn't apply to you. Uh, Our nominees uh, have not taken acid. Uh, at least not with me, which really is the only way to do it. Um, as most of you know. Right, George? Um, anyway. Well, no. <laughs> right. George, the most square guy. Although, I don't know how square George is. He is from California, you know. He's, grew up in the uh, '60s. Grew up in the '60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, but he is. He does come across as pretty straight laced. Well, he he comes out across as a guy who's very focused on his work. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Unlike Ozzy Osbourne, who she was referencing to, you know, as someone who does take acid. Ozzy was in the crowd with Sharon Osbourne, who was nominated for her work in The Talk. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> so you have what a what a wild audience you got there with Carrie Fisher, George Lucas, and Ozzy Osbourne so, watching. So, uh, so the, when I the have audience. The Talk with my son someday, I can be eligible for an Emmy. What's that? What's the talk? Well, the talk, it, it's a show similar to The View where it's a round table. Oh, oh, it's a show. Okay. Yes, I, sir. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I, I work for a living, so I don't get to see daytime TV. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, Ozzy Osbourne in the crowd for the big moment. Carrie Fisher opened up the envelope and gave away the award to our home team. And the Daytime Emmy for Outstanding Special Class Animated Program goes to Star Wars, the Clone Wars! George Lucas gets ready to come to the stage now. The Star Wars mythology was first introduced to most audiences in 1977. And the first trailers for Star Wars had taglines like the story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. This is the first nomination for Star Wars The Clone Wars and the first win in this category. On Friday at our creative art ceremony, David Tennant won an Emmy for his performance as the droid. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? I thought you'd get a kick out of that. The droid. Well, obviously, that announcer came across the name Huang and had second thoughts about butchering that name on live television. So she just bailed at the droid. All right. All right. Hold on a second, though, because (laughs) nothing against David Tennant. You know, he's he's the like the 19th doctor or whatever. He wears the scarf and everybody loves him and Doctor Who. Uh, But. Really? Like Cad Bane, um, uh, Asajj Ventress, uh, Ahsoka Tano, um, uh, Anakin Skywalker. Like, who w- Yang wins the Emmy? Who yeah. Yang brings home the gold? Again, nothing against, but like, wow. I- I- I'm just saying. Um, I'm I'm astonished. I'm astonished. Well, you know, there is really sometimes no logical rhyme or reason for the way things happen at these award ceremonies. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes politics that go behind sure. them, and I'm sure money under the table in certain cases. I'm not saying that that's how Star Wars The Clone Wars won the award for outstanding animated whatever it was. Well, George was selling off all that stock, so where'd that money go? Well, yeah, maybe he just thought, you know what? Four billion. That'll buy me an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. And and again, like I said, I you know have all the respect in the world for David Tennant. David Tennant, the, the character was brilliant. I loved it. But you know, it's one of those things that just makes you scratch your head and you go, all this amazing work, not just in season five and pe- previous seasons. And as we said, they weren't not they weren't eligible for a daytime Emmy at that point. But still, um, I'm just uh, you know good for David Tennant. But I just wow, yeah. Corey Burton, anyone? David Tennant, outstanding performer in an animated program. That's what he won. Yeah, how about Hondo Anaka? Like, give that guy an Emmy. How about it? Uh, <laughs> I what that that was that was Watto. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I just channeled Watto. I went with it. I went with it. 
Yeah, it's fine. Um, so George runs up there and accepts the award. Did he run? I'd say it was a brisk walk. <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't say run. Right. But he got up there, and uh, he accepted the award for, oh, my goodness. Best program done on a computer with <laughs> what? Let me do my announcer voice. Outstanding oh. special class animated program. Special class. Special class. I'd first of all like to thank the Academy for including animation in uh, this program. Uh, we've pulled ourselves up from the outer reaches of daytime television. And um, this is especially important to me. This is my first... Uh, well, actually, it's not. It's my second. I just won a NCAA award for uh, Best Picture with Red Tails, but this is my first <laughs> Emmy. Yes. Uh, and uh, the second award I've ever won. And I'd like to thank the Academy, but I'd also like to thank Dave, our director, Christina and Carrie, the other producers, and the writers, and the actors, and all those poor souls that toil over their computers, and everybody else involved uh, with this television series. Uh, we've been out there for quite a while, and we're very proud to finally get an Emmy. Uh, this was our first year we even got nominated for anything, so we're very, very happy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jim, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken... Um, well, two observations. One, I'm no sports fan, but I know that George probably meant to say NAACP as opposed to NCAA. That's right, Jason. Right? One stands for National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. That would have been the the group that would award George on his accomplishments with Red Tails, not the National Collegiate Athletic Association. <laughs> okay, I'm just... Okay. Yeah, and I guess I'm no sports fan, but I do know that. Um, uh, no sweet sixteen for George. He is, uh, <laughs> he has been scratched off our brackets here in March Madness. Uh, he is not winning awards from college hoops. I just won an NCAA award. <laughs> um, boy, I, was, I, I bet that'll be his last NAACP award after that. Uh, but uh, no, it's it's very strange to hear George get up and actually accept an award. I mean, I mean, you, I mean, uh, you know, like an like an Emmy or an Oscar because George has not won uh, an Oscar proper. He has won, I believe, uh, one of the the Lifetime Achievement Awards or uh, some sort of achievement Oscar. I remember him winning back in the in the nineties before the prequels came out. Um, but he's he's just you know he's typically not a guy who gets that type of accolade. No, he was nominated for best director for Star Wars in 1977, which he did not win. Right. So uh, you're right, Jason. It, it has been few and far between when he actually does go up on stage to accept a big award. And I would say an Emmy is a big award. It's not an MTV award. It's not a you know. <laughs> yeah, right. He's not. It's not Chewbacca's lifetime achievement award right. on the on the MTV. I it's not a blockbuster video award. It's a <laughs> real pe- award. Remember? People's there was, Choice. There was that time in the 90s, maybe early 2000s, when every week there was like three or four award shows on. And it would get right. really bad. It would be like, you know, International House of Pancakes, Film Awards. <laughs> you know, just ridiculous stuff. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, TV Land did like their own like uh, you know TV Classics Awards. They're they're like giving out new awards to old shows. I mean, like that's how bad it got at one point. Um, but you know, in the, and I always thought it was funny that the that the People's Choice Awards. You could always tell who was going to win by who was in the audience. Only the people who were winning got the award. Well, let me just put it to you this way. Yeah. I don't think George Lucas would have been in attendance if there was just a slim chance they were going to win. And J.C. Reifenberg, our pal, was out there actually covering the red carpet following, you know, when the, when the actors and talent would come off stage, mm-hmm. they would do some media interviews. And J.C. was there representing a... Uh, God, I don't know even know the name of the operation he was with, but he was sending us exclusive photos to put up on Facebook on Sunday night as this was happening. So he was there feeding me the breaking news as it was happening, and then I was posting it up on oh, Facebook oh. as soon as I was getting it. So if you're not already liking us on Facebook, what are you waiting for? Go to Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio and click that like button because then you get to see cool exclusives like JC's photography from that event. And JC did ask George one question. He said, what was it like to receive the award from Carrie Fisher? And George's reply was, well, once we saw her up there, we knew we probably were going to get the award. So that was great. We had a little, a little hint that we were going to win. Ah, okay. So, so that was the tip-off. Yeah. Clearly, the setup with, uh, yeah. Imagine Carrie giving it to you know, I don't know, uh, you know, the new Looney Tune show or something. That would have been well, that would have been kind of appropriate, actually, in a way. But um, oh, stop it. <laughs> she was actually very funny when she was. Giving She's that very funny. She's very funny, Carrie Fisher. Uh, so anyway, th- this is huge, though. This is this is such a nice way to go out in terms of uh, you know the accolades, and we've been very frustrated over the years where we felt you know Jim at times we're looking around like anybody else seeing this show, anybody right. else seeing the greatness, and I mean yeah. for, you know forget about this story. It's just 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 the 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 technical achievements that they were accomplishing. Uh, week after week, uh, we thought we were the only ones that paid any attention, especially in those first couple seasons. It was it. It just seemed like not only Star Wars fandom, but just just people in general who would consider themselves to be Star Wars fans just simply were not giving the show the chance. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people did get turned off by that theatrical release, which I you know I didn't, I didn't think was bad at all, but it. it it just no, it didn't, didn't resonate with some right? people. Yeah. And so they didn't come back to watch the show. And I think to a person on that crew at Lucas Animation, they will all agree just about everything they did on the television show far surpassed what they did in that initial feature film release. And that's that's fine. You know, I mean, that's that's totally the truth. And it's to be expected as these people push themselves to do better and better work. So by the time season five finally rolls around, they do finally get the accolades that they deserve as a whole. Yeah, com- totally, totally. And, and, and hat off to Dave Filoni. It's uh, long overdue and it's uh, great that we've got a member of the Wolfpack that has uh, an Emmy. That's pretty cool. Hey, Dave. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Uh, It's going pretty good. So it's just me. Just me this time. Jason had to bail. What? (laughs) Again? I know you're sick of me. 
But well, uh, <laughs> just, you know, the Slanko, I hate when he's not there. It's just, it's sad. I like when he gets out. What's he doing now? I mean, well, too you bad. know, you know, um, Jason, like I've said, I mean, it's the same excuse as always his professional career, uh, being, uh, the marketing guy for, uh, Cleveland theatrical oh, presentations. I, I, they have the book of Mormon coming to town. So, well, that's a huge show. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So he's been wrapped up in deal. all that. Absolutely. It is. So, well, that's good though. I mean, you know, it's better to have work and be working, especially these times, you know, and when you have it, you got to do it, but. You know, it's just it's, I love having him included. I always feel, you know, he just makes a sad face when we're not, he's not in on it. And, you know, he's from the very beginning as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, it's just it's too bad. You know, you and I get to talk about all the cool stuff and just it's not to say, I'm going to start to take it personally if it happens again. You tell him. <laughs> well, he'll, he'll hear this and find out. So We'll put the pressure on. Yes. We'll put the pressure on him. Absolutely. Well, what I want to do is get him out there so we can go visit you. And, that's what uh, you guys should do. Yeah. That, that's, I can't believe that hasn't happened. I can't believe it hasn't know? happened. But then also, we'll just say this. Well, I was going to tell you guys all kinds of secrets, but because Swank's not there, no. Oh, no. Down. Can't play favorites. <laughs> You know, if it's the, the, the good, you have to be fair and balanced. No fan left behind, and right now he's being left behind. So yeah, yeah. We'll just save all those incredible reveals for next time. Not all of them. Maybe you could let one or two of them slide by. Probably not. No, I but, think Kenobio's listening, so that's probably no. Oh, Tracy's always listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. You know, I but that's I'm serious. Before. Before this year's over, I want to get him on a plane. I want to head out to San Francisco. I want to visit you. I want to go see Steve Sansweet. Jason's never even been to Rancho Obi Wan. Oh yeah, so. that's that, that's a crime for him. I mean, you know what though? I would suggest. Let me just say, just road trip it. I can't think of any better material than you and him in a car for several days. I mean, you could basically just do a documentary and make it like Newman's movie. You know, it's like a a second, a sequel. Hmm. You you don't even have like the big purpose to come out here because we're not going to show you the movie or anything. So you're just coming out for the love of Star Wars. You know, it's kind of better. Well, that's enough to motivate anyone. But, you know, there has been a documentary that's been under production now for a couple years. Um, every right. once in a while, a camera crew will show up and hang out with me and Jason. And no, yeah, I, yeah, I'm serious about it. It's called uh, "When the Galaxy Listens." We actually screened. Ooh. We screened some of it at uh, Celebration Six last year. Get out! I didn't get to see that. I'll send you a link. I would like to see that. Yeah, yeah. I would like to see that. That's amazing. So. Um, yeah, I think ah, we're going to be we're, that. He's going to be coming out here in August and we're going to shoot some stuff here in Chicago. So, maybe in the fall we can get out to uh to your neck of the woods because that's definitely something that's been on my list this whole year. Well, and, you let me know. Oh, I will. That way we'll know, we'll make sure to hide stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't hide yourself. Hey, you're uh, let's let's tangent for a second cuz I know people love when I do this, but do you think your Hawks are going to pull it out? Do you think they're going to make it? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. Um, I hate. To, I mean, no offense to anybody from Boston, but I, I hope they do because the the Bruins sure just dismantled uh, my piddling Penguins. There, a, a terrible display of uh, you know playing well when it counts. But uh, I mean, the Bruins are a great team, 
And the black, I was just glad the last game was 6-5 because even though I'm a goalie, these one nothing games, uh, <laughs> you know, give me some offense. I say regulate the goalie pads again, make them smaller, you know, make these guys stop the puck instead of just sitting there like a big foam brick. I don't like it. Well, it is true. Like it. You got to get Crawford a new glove, by the way, though. Or a bigger glove. Oh, my gosh. Not a bigger glove. He can't even move that one he's got. <laughs> Bigger is not going to help. He needs, he needs to, like, what if they put Emery in next game, huh? No, 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 no. You can't Boy, do that. that would be something. You can't do that. I, I love There's Ray Emery. Story for, you have to get me on Blackhawk Talk. That's what you got to do. Oh, my God. We should. Um, then, we could, then we can do this and fans won't be upset with you because you missed a chance to get secrets, you know? <laughs> Dr. It's... Kenobi, I'll come on Blackhawk Talk. I, don't, I love hockey. I'm all, right, well, all about it. Well, we might have to do that. Maybe for the uh, year-end review. But, uh, you know, I'm... I'm yeah, you have a Penguins fan on Blackhawk Talk. <laughs> all I'll talk about is 1992. That's all I want to talk well, about. Oh, so. yeah, people will love that. Of course, that was uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the time that Pittsburgh and the Hawks faced off against each other in the uh, final. And uh, we came up with the short end of the stick there. Uh, thanks yeah. to Mario well, You know Lemieux. that uh, we play you in the uh, a Winter Classic next season. I did know that, yeah. Yeah, that's going to Yeah, that's cool. a big deal. I'm going to have to watch that and see if I can work that in my schedule. I would love to go out and watch it. They're playing at Wrigley Field, I think. Yeah, they did it a couple years ago. And, uh, so they do it again with Pittsburgh. Yeah, bring, him, bring him back with Pittsburgh. So, hey, all man. Right, well, let's back to Star Wars. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Clone no, Wars fans. No, it's all right. Sorry. People don't mind Lots us to talk about. making plans to go to a hockey game. That's no problem. But, uh, but <laughs> hey, if you want to come out, I'll get the tickets. Don't worry about it. Oh, my gosh. So, hey, congratulations on the Emmy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, big. I mean, that just really was pretty overwhelming for us as a group. I think that, you know, it's it's hard because obviously, of the the shows that we're up against, Legend of Korra has a lot of significance for me because Mike and Brian, I think, are fantastic creators. Um, you know, I had a really big break working on Airbender with them, and without them creating their own action adventure and me getting on that, I don't know if I'd be where I am today. You know, they prov- they provided a a forum for all of us to display our skills in animation and that type of storytelling. And so it was kind of a, a privilege to be up against those guys. And, you know, and then for my own crew, after everything that's gone on and, you know, the series being finished and, you know, I, I think it just had a special significance for everyone. It was a, you know, I think as, as, as wonderful as they made this series, everyone kind of wondered why it had never really achieved any kind of success when it comes to these awards and you you know you always say well it's not about that and it's not but it certainly is nice to be recognized by your peers and for everybody that worked on this show I think again it was just a really nice you know statement at the end uh, to say that people did recognize all the hours they put in and all the hard work and you know to win for series that includes everyone, you know, and if we'd won for directing or something else, that would have been great. But it's, you know, it, it, I think the series really says it all. It's, it's everyone. It's George up there with us. Uh, you know, he, he came down and, and really, I think it shows you how much it meant to him, uh, the, the team of people and creating Clone Wars. So just really special all around from beginning to end for us. Obviously, obviously a huge victory for you and the crew and everyone who worked on the show and supported the show. Uh, did George have any idea? Was he tipped off that he was going to win the award? Uh, did you guys know? 
No, we, we had no idea. In fact, with our track record at these things, <laughs> we really wondered, like, oh, man, this is – if we don't win now, Carrie Fisher is coming out to give the award. <laughs> We're like, this is going to look really weird. I mean, and it's not beyond the possibility, you know. it's We've been up for awards before and, and never seemed to come out on top, and there's always a lot of great shows up for it. And, you know, when you lose, you're like, well – there, there are other people working hard as well. And, you know, you just wish for everybody you work with that you do come out on top. But there were there were a couple, you know, signs that I thought pointed towards that we'd do all right. The, uh, the hotel I stayed at in L.A. The, for the first Emmy night, which actually didn't turn out that best for us. I mean, David Tennant took away the prize for voice acting, which I thought was fantastic. But uh, I was at the same hotel where I did my first uh, interview with you guys. Oh my God! Going back to uh, yeah, August, August two thousand eight. Yeah, right. I remember yeah. that. I remember you did that from a hotel room, and that was probably. Yeah, I think that was the very first yeah. full interview you did with us. Well, because you know, back then too, when I started Lucasfilm, you know, I was like, "Hey, I want to go on this podcast." And and they were very unsure about <laughs> that and what I was talking about. I was like, no, 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 no. These fans, they get it. It's fine. And you know, luckily, you've always had people, you know, you know, trust me as far as that goes and help me champion that effort because you guys always, I thought, um, you know, just represent the fans well and have the the right perception of this relationship and the respect I think that goes between all of us and the professionalism and I. You guys always handle your show so professionally that, you know, I know I can come on here and, and we can discuss Star Wars and storytelling and whatever you want. So that was that was kind of cool. I thought it's it's neat where you find yourself back at these these points and these places and it brings back memories. So from 2008 to then later, you know, a day later, winning an Emmy for Clone Wars, the work we did was a nice sense of, again, completion. And I wanted to tell you guys that because I thought that'd be kind of cool. You know, these things come full circle. Yeah. And so much has changed in that period of time. I mean, think about back then we were trying to still explain Zero the Hut. And, <laughs> you know, it was quite a journey, as they say. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, you guys are standing up on stage holding the gold. And so you were obviously sitting with George. Were you guys at tables out there? I. I can't recall. Oh, yeah, we all the tables, you know, watching the whole thing. Uh, just had a great time. You know, it's great to spend time with George. I don't see him as much anymore. And so that was that was nice. And, you know, just talk to him about where things are at and, you know, just general conversations. Pretty good. Very fun time. And how did he react when Carrie came out on stage? Oh, you know, he smiled. He was like, you know, at that point we were all kind of thinking, well, I really wonder if we're going to get this or not. We don't really know, but we're hoping that that's a good, like I said, a good indication, but you're never, you know, you're never quite sure. So, um, she was great when we won and, and backstage, I've never really gone up to her, talked to her. I don't, um, uh, it's just kind of the way I am. I don't think that, you know, I do what I do that that gives me access to a lot of people, but I respect their privacy and, one of my conventions and stuff, I don't really go over out of my way and say hello. I figure there's enough people doing that every day. And um, I mean, I've met Mark Hamill before, 
which is great, and and I know him all right, but Carrie I never have, and so I just briefly met her backstage, and she was very nice. You could tell she was very excited for George and that there's a real camaraderie there and, and friendship that, you know, obviously goes on for many, many years. So that was nice to see and be a witness to. Did you, you and George, did you guys go out and party afterwards? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. I mean, he's a very busy guy. We were glad he took the time. I mean, he was very excited. We did the press line, uh, you know, and just you could tell that he was very enthusiastic about it. And uh, he asked if I wanted to take that one back to the crew. But I was like, no, you take that. And, and you know, that's that's for you. And we all felt that way. It was We were so glad that we could be a part of you know, helping George achieve that for, you know, storytelling that was very important to him in Clone Wars. So, yeah, he took it. He he hopped in the car and away he went with Melody. And that was the last I saw of uh, the the Emmy at this point. So, yeah, Carrie Athena and I get one, but we'll get that in like, you know, several weeks. As long as Kenobio comes through on her end, filling out the forms right. So I know she will. She always comes through. So, so we're well, just waiting now. But I'm going to get a picture of everybody on the crew uh, with the Emmy, you know, so they have that uh, keepsake and, and they can show everyone, you know, where they've been working all these long hours. <laughs> yes. That will really help, I think. Yes. So, well, the crew is obviously scattered about, and uh, so uh, you'll have to have a reunion. You know, there was something of a Clone Wars cast reunion in L.A. for the 30th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, and uh, unfortunately yeah. you didn't make it. We missed you there. I didn't. Yeah, you know, I've been, you know, really busy actually, and I, I heard everybody was going, but it just my time is really condensed, and you know, it's even though things theoretically I think have slowed down for a lot of people, they haven't really. <laughs> for me, uh, I'm still very much right in the thick of it, and and really getting new things beginning and. Uh, you know, doing quite a bit of work, and a lot of that has to be condensed up until, uh, you know, my summer, which is always pretty big, where I'll be going to Germany, of course, to celebration, and real excited about that, because, you know, I've never, for Star Wars, been over there, and, uh, you know, be a whole bunch of new fans to be exposed to, and and to talk to, and and to, to see what they think, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be amazing, and, uh, you know, you yeah, no, unfortunately, we're not going. Oh, yeah, we, we, we couldn't swing it this time around, but uh, we'll definitely be at the next one for sure. All right. No question about it. I I did enter a contest in a British newspaper to try to win four tickets. To- Man, that would have been amazing. <laughs> would have been, I mean, well, the contest is still going on, so maybe. 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 <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> maybe. But... Um, you know, you are uh, having a busy summer because not only are you working on uh, the remaining episodes of The Clone Wars, but you're hard at work on Star Wars Rebels. So uh, mm-hmm. is work still proceeding on the remaining episodes of The Clone Wars? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're we're finishing things up. It takes a while. That's production. You know, um, even when you say stop, it's like a train. You know, the you, you have the engine stop, but the cars are still moving. So they'll slowly come to a to a halt and we'll be finishing things up and you know like i said it's kind of like a two-headed thing for me at this point um work is which is fine you know because it's all very exciting um you know it's it's been sad as as you know we've thinned things down on the clone war slowly but um you always knew things would would come to an end and i'm very happy with 
actually the way things have gone. I think that it really puts Clone Wars in its place in time. And like I said before, I really appreciate the outpouring from fans and, you know, just the energy and all of their love that they really wanted things to continue. But I think that there was just a really a really cool sense of timing that happened that, that, that made things at least, you know, for now come to an end on Cartoon Network and say this is the, the last story that we're going to see there and this way and, you know, there will be something, but we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, the story that people have seen, I think, really, really turned out nicely because we'll have that period of time, you know, where things finished up before episode seven and everything else builds up, which I think is really important for Clone Wars. You know, if we had overlapped at all or gone too far, I think it's just natural. You know, people would have not paid as much attention to it. It's, it would have been the old thing, you know, and now it's kind of had its its own kind of rightful space in the the history of Star Wars, which I think is nice for it, you know. Obviously, I have a lot of questions about the bonus content, and I know your hands are tied. <laughs> Um, because as George himself would say, uh, marketing would like to make a big whoop-de-doo about the announcements. Right. But, uh, <laughs> of course. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, but you're trying nonetheless. That's why I respect that. Well, you know, it's, it's just uh, people have been wondering how these, these episodes are going to be released and will they be episodes or longer story arcs or, I mean, there's just a thousand questions and I know the time will come when when it's appropriate for an official announcement to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I could just, <laughs> I'm looking at my inbox and it's filled with questions about bonus content. And so oh I'm just going to pick one. Well, that I, I appreciate that. You know. I, I, I can, I'm just going to pick one out of the inbox. That I think I can safely ask. Um, you're, it's perfectly fine if you give me the old no comment, but uh a lot of fans are curious because there's been so many different reports and inconsistent reports about how many episodes were actually going to be seen getting released. And uh, so I was just wondering if there's any comment you can make on like the actual volume of material and content that's going to be released. Well, not necessarily. (laughs) I mean, I, I try, I try really hard over the years to be, as honest with you guys as I possibly can and to tell you guys as much as I can because I, I fully respect being a fan and, and just all of this wanting to know things comes from a, a great place. And I, I think, too, that fans know then that when I can't say things, it's because we're trying to benefit fans in the greatest way possible. It's not like we're withholding and ha-ha. It's, you know, there are times when I've been in front of, you know, groups of fans that, comic-con and i can see how hungry they are to know things and and there's nothing i would like more than to sit down with everyone and discuss um but but i often can't so it can be equally frustrating on my end i think the interesting thing for me this go around with star wars is that when i started here in 2005 things were basically winding down there was a sense that you know, a lot of big media things were trying to say Star Wars was over in 2005, <laughs> you know. And I was like, well, that's news to me because I just moved up here to work on this show. <laughs> but people didn't know a lot about it. Right. 
But, and you know, we were an animated series and nobody quite knew what that meant for Star Wars. And I don't think people knew how seriously they were going to take it. And, you know, so even when we came out, you know, it was almost like we had to, to, to fight and battle to get the respect of the broader fan base and to, to bring people into the fold and to say, Hey, this can be just like the movies if we work at it and if we improve things. And, you know, so we weren't really ever a central focus. It was more like people picking things up and going, Hey, you know, I saw Clone Wars the other day and it wasn't so bad. <laughs> That's what you get a lot of. And it was a movement to build over time where right now, you know, if you say the number seven, <laughs> It's like, whoa, everybody wants to know, what did you say, seven? <laughs> you can't seven? say the number you know? anymore. Right. And, and in a really interesting way, Rebels is, 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 is kind of attached to that because there's such an excitement now because nobody knows what Disney Lucasfilm means. Nobody knows what that, that is outside, you know? Mm-hmm. And so everything seems to be very hyper online this time around, where any little thing that gets said anywhere seems to go super wide. And so when, when there are varying reports or rumors or hearsay, this many episodes, that many episodes, it's a show about this, it's a show about that, it's fascinating, especially when you are in the know to watch it and you almost see this like telephone like game of how the information morphs over time. And and yet I can't come on and, and clear it all up for you <laughs> oddly and say, this is happening versus that's happening. Um, so, I mean, it's just an interesting observation time period for me. Um, what I can say I think <laughs> See, and this is where I get in trouble because I want to, uh, that being said, which was a very long way as fans know that I tried to nicely put Jimmy, I'm not going to tell you anything that <laughs> right, I want exactly. to say something where I can give you something, um, which is that, you know, the, the clone wars, as far as the clone wars is concerned, it is going to be the same quality, if not better that you are used to with the show. It, you know, what we're finishing out is, I think, and I always say this when we have more stuff coming, some of the best stuff we've ever done, because that's just the way that crew always worked. We made the movie Clone Wars, but we wanted season one to be better. We saw most of season one. We said season two could be significantly better. Let's work at season two then and make three better. And Joel, we don't have this. And what do you think we could add to this to make it better? And it's, it, it's been a cumulative thing with Clone Wars. So really, the things you're going to see benefited from the spectacular episodes we were doing in the second half of season five. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's going to be some amazing things that I'm very proud of that you guys are going to get to see. And, and uh, I mean, I think I can say that and dispel any notion that we wouldn't have these episodes, these final episodes be everything that they were always meant to be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the way that they, however it comes out, I mean, when the fans see it, they're going to be, you know, very, very, very excited and it will be a worthwhile wait uh, for the content that we have. You know, you released a sketch online. 
It can be seen on your Facebook page. Yeah. It, and, and I'm just curious as to whether or not this sketch ties into what we're going to be seeing remaining from the Clone Wars. It's a very intriguing shot. The way you set it up was uh, the fact that you said when, when George would talk in the meetings, you would be sketching. We've seen video evidence of this in the past uh, where you're sitting there just uh, doodling away while George is talking. And this particular sketch was Master Yoda sitting under what looked like to be a giant tree. But at the tip of the tree, at the top, was what appeared to be a face. And I was just wondering if that sketch is an indication of something to come in the bonus content. Well, that's, that's a fair assumption. That's a fair assumption. (laughs) I think that's a fair assumption. I mean, I'm not going to say exactly. I just thought it'd be neat. Um, it was my birthday and fans were being really nice and saying a lot of things, uh, you know, and, the fans have been incredibly supportive to me, and I, I really appreciate that. And so I always feel that, you know, when they go out of their way to recognize, you know, something like my birthday, it's like, well, I got to give something back there and let them see something cool. So I had done that drawing, and I always thought it, it really captured a great mood and, you know, reflects some some of maybe the things that we are going to be possibly getting into uh, what I really enjoyed about it was, you know, reading a little bit of what people thought it was. That was fascinating. You know, it's always fascinating to see when you, when you make a drawing and, and, you know, drawings can be interpreted in so many different ways. Um, those reader comments are always some of my favorite ones. I remember like, uh, there was a great comment. I just told you, uh, fans are really awesome. They, I, uh, I said, I'd never drawn a TIE fighter before, you know, and I had this drawing of these TIE fighters. And someone said, I'll oh, keep practicing. And I thought, oh, <laughs> I so set myself up for that. That's excellent. You know, <laughs> like the internet is, if nothing, is, is an incredible sense of humor. And so you know, the fans are, are incredibly creative, you know, and uh, I always love seeing how they react to sketches and things of that nature, but yeah, it'll be, we're going to have one heck of a show, you and I, and hopefully uh, Jason, when uh, all things are finally all said and done on Clone Wars, that'll be a, a mega timeline show we'll do or something. I'll bet. That would be There will great. be much to discuss. Let's put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> so you did just celebrate a birthday. June 7th was your birthday. So uh, it and, is, so wait, you. I just got a note to self. Book interview with Filoni on June 7th next uh-huh. year. He's <laughs> loose with the info on his birthday. Possibly. You know, it doesn't hurt. So hey, Celebrating, sp- you know, celebrating. I actually celebrated my birthday by watching a Godzilla movie, though. I love Godzilla. What Godzilla? I watched the, the classic 1968 Destroy All Monsters on Blu-ray. Nice, nice. And I made uh, you know my close friends all watch it together. <laughs> <I've> made <laughs> like them. The only time I can get them to watch one of them is when they have to because it's something like my birthday. But they enjoyed it. I let them watch you know, the English dub, which I prefer to watch them in Japanese, but... Uh, we watch it because they find it funnier, you know. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more authentic too. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. So speaking of that Tie Fighter 
uh, mm-hmm. sketch you, you did, um, which was very cool. It, it appeared to be TIE fighters on the assembly line. Um, mm. <sighs> boy, oh boy. You know, this is just really, I'm just really tiptoeing around everything here. Know, it could be TIE fighters <laughs> on the assembly line. could be lousy drawings of TIE fighters. <laughs> there was a video that accompanied that. Uh, it was put up on the official Star Wars Twitter where you were holding a vintage TIE fighter in the package. And you said $10. And I thought to myself, well, $10, either he bought that thing for $10 or $10 is going to be the budget for the new show. Oh, no, no. No, I bought it for $10 at an antique store. Was it vintage, vintage, or new vintage? No, it's, it's, it's vintage, vintage. For it's 10 like bucks. original. What, in in the box. Brand new. Still with, it still had the sticker sheets in it. I mean, it had the directions, everything. We put batteries in it. It works. Ten dollars. It made that sound. <laughs> oh yeah. You want to f- see the whole thing? Well, I just saw you sit down and open it. It was it was just such a short oh, clip. Oh no, they filmed us putting the whole thing together, Plunkett and I. Oh, did they? And then we hit that button, and it as you did it. It just makes the worst sound you can imagine. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have the kids now get like you know phrases and sound effects they, they, they bear the toy plays you know by itself we just had that little battery buzzer but man <laughs> i love that thing you know what i would love to see happen or actually love to hear happen is you mm. use that sound <laughs> yeah. in an episode of star wars rebels for something well i was joking that you know i could have you know some matt wood or somebody do it if like the tie fighter didn't work if the guns were jammed, maybe, maybe that's the sound it makes instead. But that's you know, there's always a way to get that stuff in there. That's when it's a lot of fun. I have the old uh, Kenner X-wing Tie Fighter commercial here in front of me. Let let me just see if I oh, can. No way, really. If I could get some of that sound here, let's see. The Force is back. The rebels won't tire till they see the last of the Empire. And Kenner's there with Star Wars: Return of the Jedi Collection. You're in my sights. Skywalker, not for long, Darth Vader. It's X-Wing fighter and Imperial TIE fighter. Action figures each sold separately. Batteries not included. Time for the old surprise swoop. A wing's hit. There was. Not bad for a beginner, but I'll be back. X-Wing fighter. Oh, that was a little disappointing. Uh, couldn't really... Uh... That's amazing. I mean, well, that's not just putting off. It's amazing. I mean... <laughs> I couldn't really hear the sound in that one, though, but, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but the sound that you could hear is just incredible. It's like... <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's one of those things that's really interesting to me now, too, with Star Wars. And when you look at that and, you know, those kids, and we were those kids, you know, and something that's really, I think, unique about Star Wars is how it it appealed to us so much as those kids. And now here we are, you know, I'm 39 and I mean, I'm, I'm just as into it. I mean, I, I've been fortunate. I get to play with the greatest Star Wars toys on the planet, you know, and, and really film them. And, and I even got to work with George Lucas, which is really rare, but it's the feeling, it's that connection to that, that universe and that story that, is the thing that remains the strongest. And I think one of the things that we always experimented with on Clone Wars was how then do we tell these stories that have spanned, you know, so many years and had these little kids that I'm one of grow up into adults. And as adults, we kind of, 
demand a different kind of story. We're incredibly nostalgic for the films we saw as kids, right? Mm-hmm. But we're, we're not as forgiving of things that might currently be for kids because we say, well, our expectation now has changed because now I'm an adult. And it was always a question, you know, and we dealt with it on Clone Wars, which is how do you make this so that, you know, the kid in me would love it, but the adult that I am now also loves it and respects it. I think now people's instant answer is, well, you just make it like the original trilogy. And, and that's when you hit upon something that is, yes, that's obvious and incredibly hard it goes without saying. I mean, there's so many elements that need to come together to, to capture the feelings the old movies do. And I think, to be honest, that we got better and better at it on Clone Wars the farther we went. And one of the outlines or one of the stories that I thought captured it best was actually the one we did with the younglings. You know, suddenly you had a, a character like Hondo being very, you know, alive and comedic and you know, edgy, but, but funny. And, you know, the kids in there, I thought we were able to pull them off in a way that they weren't, you know, that kind of saccharine type child character that you go, of course they're kids. You know, you just, you know, they're young Jedi kids. You accept that and you, you're on the ride for the story. So it's, but it's, I think it's an interesting, you know, challenge as well for all of us going forward with Star Wars, because, you know, it's it's really now our thing to do. And, you know, as George has said, he's he's stepped further away from it than he ever has. And, and he's comfortable with that. And it's it's up to the new generations of, you know, fans of all ages. You know, J.J. Uh, Abrams is a big fan of Star Wars. And, you know, we're all coming together to interpret this universe and, and make it as authentic as it's always been. So... I just find it fascinating. You know, there are very few things that I think remain as popular as Star Wars has from the 1970s to now. You know, Godzilla, I, I really enjoy, and it's been around since the 1950s, 1954. But it, it's not, everybody knows what Godzilla is, but I wouldn't say it's as encompassing as, say, Star Wars is. You know, it's a, it's a fairly specified interest. And, and maybe that changes because I know they're making, a, someone's making a new Godzilla movie. But, um, you know, Star Wars has pretty much been in the mind's eye of the public globally for a very, very long time. So it's just, uh, it's, it's exciting to be a part of that future, you know, as the, you know, the world of fans awaits to see the results. And so speaking of the future, no, no, that was great. (laughs) You can can edit it down. Never. Um, because everything (laughs) you said, uh, just resonates with me. Uh, I was eight years old in 1977. Star Wars came at the right time. It was Mm -hmm. fresh, but yet familiar. It was relatable yet exotic. And it just came at a time when kids needed something that had substance, that had morality, that was just plain cool and fun, and that made us, that transported us to that alternate universe. And then when we returned to our own universe, we were able to learn the lessons we, we used the lessons we learned and apply them to 
just our, our lifestyle as kids of the 70s. And I'm so happy to see that that same basic premise is something that resonates with kids of today. And I see it all the time, Dave. Year after year, yeah. I see it all the time, Dave. I have Cub Scouts come through my radio station all the time. It's almost bizarre if at least one of the kids is not wearing a Clone Wars or a Star Wars T-shirt. And wow. and they, they see the tchotchkes in my office, you know. <laughs> I have like a, a Yoda I got from a Burger King Happy Meal and a Darth yeah. Vader cookie jar and just various little knickknacks around that, you know, I keep this around me to, to always remind me. Um, and the kids immediately gravitate to that. And it's always wow. fun to see that from children of the year 2013 as a, as a guy who was a kid in 1977, you know, that we can yeah. instantly uh, bond over star Wars and relate and talk about it in the same way. So that's, yeah. that's something that means a lot to me. And, and so as we you know think about the, the past, we also look forward to the future of star Wars. And so how are things going with production on star Wars rebels? It's, it's great. I mean, it's a different challenge it's a new challenge, but, you know, definitely I'm very fortunate to have had the experience I did on Clone Wars and the same thing with Killian Plunkett, you know, Joel Aaron, Athena Patia, all working with me on, on uh, Rebels. And we've really applied, you know, what we learned on Clone Wars to this new show. You know, um, we want it to be its own thing and we want it to be unique. Um there, there are things that we learned that we want to apply to it in many different ways, uh, aside from just technically. But, you know, when we were doing Clone Wars in the beginning, back in, you know, back in 2005, can you believe we say that? Yeah. But, uh, you know, when we started that, there really wasn't a large vocabulary for a CG TV series that involved that many human characters. Uh, and, and let alone the type of drama that we were going to try and do with them over time. Uh, things were, you know, more of a cartoon nature. Uh, Pixar, I think, had just really cracked how to do human characters on screen uh, with Incredibles, you know, and they landed on a style that I think everyone went, wow, that's really working, you know, Um but even for them, they were really brilliant at how they disguised the usage of human characters. If you watch Toy Story, you know, the first one and and then some of their other earlier films. So we had to put these characters front and center. And if you look at the development of the show on the animation and, and render front, it is a lot, you know, more rigid in the beginning than it is at the end. The acting that you get out of Ahsoka at the end uh, is is just phenomenal uh, when compared to, you know, the acting that you get from her in, in the movie even. So the big evolution and like anything as an artist, you're experimenting and crafting your skills. And so all that has really gone into uh, the early development of rebels. And uh, we're pretty excited by, by what we have, you know, it's uh it's fun. I've had some friends that know me well over the years in animation, and they're surprised. They're like, Dave, you just finished you know, eight years of Star Wars, and why are, you, why are you going back to do more Star Wars? And I thought, well, but it's, 
it's awesome. You, you know, it's exciting. <laughs> and Greg Weissman is an exciting storyteller. Simon Kimberg, you know, is a fantastic storyteller. And the opportunity to work with these guys is really invigorating um, with how they come at it. Very fresh, very new. Um, and that just that gets you thinking and it gets you, you know, creatively flowing. And so it's really, you know, it's, I, I can't fake that. I, I, I do get really excited about it and, and directing these adventures and staying in, in a galaxy far, far away. I don't know. It's, I, I never pictured in my life being a part of this let alone being a part of it as long as I have. And I think I've always taken with the directing side of it, the creative side of it, that because I'm a fan, it's like I'm in a weird way an ambassador for fans, whether that's true or not. I feel that way because, you know, there's so many people I know that would would like to, to get to sit where I do and I've never taken that for granted and I won't. And, and I continue to just apply the same work ethic with the same, you know, a lot of same people, but some new faces too. And, you know, we all have in common that we love this, uh, this story. So it's, it's, I can't wait for when people are going to see, uh, some things at, uh, celebration. Yeah. Yeah. I hear I'll be talking about rebels as well. So I'll be, going over uh, with a fine-tooth comb what I'm uh, <laughs> going to be talking about with everyone there because that'll probably be a very sensitive time. But, you know, we'll be giving people a, a, just a sense of it and a taste of what's to come and, you know, maybe a look at, a first look at some of the, the, the things that will be appearing on screen uh and it'll be, you know, really fun to get those reactions. I remember the first time, I believe it was Celebration 4 in L.A. that we showed Clone Wars. And, you know, by that time, Clone Wars was much further along than Rebels is now, so we actually had uh, footage. And uh, that was just, you know, I was sitting on that little stage, and as excited as I was, it dawned on me, wait a minute. What if people don't like this? Oh. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm going to, oh, look, there's the exit. <laughs> Just in case, you know, <laughs> I had made a major miscalculation. I was going to, you know, uh, trip Gilroy or something and say it's all his fault and just <laughs> run for the door. But <laughs> luckily that wasn't the reaction. And the rest is, you know, I guess, I guess Star Wars history at this point, which is also pretty mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Hey, is there anything you could say about the overall look of the show? Can we expect uh, consistency from what we've uh, grown to expect from Clone Wars, or are we going for a whole different look? Well, I, I, I think it's fine to say that, that it's not going to be like Clone Wars. It's going to be different. And one of the big differences that, you know, in some of the very early development for Clone Wars, one of the things that I really wanted to try to do was was capture um, the look of Ralph McQuarrie, but because of, you know, I think in part my own understanding of CG at the time, which was very limited and some of the techniques we were applying it, Clone Wars kind of developed its own style and George wanted a very unique look to the faces of the characters and the angularity. And, um, you know, we worked hard to kind of make that happen and bring fidelity to the, 
those harsh harsh edges but um here you know we 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 can just kind of apply the knowledge that we learned on clovers of what was successful and what wasn't and uh i can really attack what i really wanted to before which was really getting to uh that look that ralph achieved much more directly in uh in a much more defined way than we ever did on Clone Wars. Clone Wars, I think part of its success visually was that it, it, it really encapsulated the prequel era and the, a lot of the original trilogy all in one, which is something that, you know, uh, Doug Chang really was successful with when he did the prequels. Um, and, and I think that we you know, captured a, a good bit of that in the render and in, in the style. This time, you know, we were we were borrowing in Clone Wars from Ian McKegg and we we were borrowing from, you know, Doug Chang and we were borrowing from Ralph and Joe Johnston and, you know, there was bringing that all together in the way they did the live action features. And this time we're going more, I think, with an animated uh, style, what's what I would call that and... uh so, you know, we'll have to see. I think that's all I can say. I probably said too much. <laughs> I don't think I said anything I didn't say on a small informative video. Right, right. That, that I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that video very much. Uh, Pablo Hidalgo was there in the room with you. Is, is Paul... That was high energy, Pablo, too. That was amazing. <laughs> is he actually uh, involved as a, a crew member on the show? Pablo's around. Pablo's you know, around. He's, 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 he's everywhere. He's. You know, he's like the force. <laughs> he, uh, you know, Pablo I've relied on for many, many, many years. Um, I love shooting ideas at him and asking him a question. So uh, I'm not really going to define his uh, capacity. I'll let him do that and get in trouble instead. But, uh, you know, it's like I alluded to in the video. Pablo knows a lot of what's going on. So it's uh, it's fun to have him along for this ride and i'm very very happy about that because you know i mean you couldn't be a fan during the prequel era and not know who pablo Hidalgo is absolutely you know i knew who he was and we all had the same reaction who's this guy i'm a fan of his books be on set right well i'm i'm a fan of his books i'll tell you that and i think the guy's a pretty talented author and oh he's super talented but I, i always tell him i said man he's to annoy me because you got to do everything I wanted to do. Oh, we, we, <laughs> oh okay, yes, yes. We we all have a deep-seated hatred for him for actually hitting no, the lottery. No, no, it's just no, just of like course not. which turns to anger because, you know, like you said, he was talented enough to get the gig, and boy, he knows his stuff. I ask him questions. You know, I just will throw out questions to him and Leland Chi. And I'm like, what are the names of the Ugnaughts that have 3207 Chewie comes and rescues him? And they know. Oh, my God. Uh, they have names? They, exactly. That's exactly my point, right? right. They know. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys made that up. Oh There's no God. way that was in the call sheet. And I'll, I'll attack them as a filmmaker, but they know. They know all this stuff. It's really beyond impressive. I mean, I keep telling them we need to take that show on the road. It'll just be me asking those two questions. or It's like match game, you know? Or you know, Hollywood Squares. I always bring up Hollywood Squares I want to do and have fans ask them questions and see if they're telling the truth or not. There you go. We could call it Star Wars Lie Detector. There you go. Um, do you find that the production pace 
is much quicker on Star Wars Rebels than it was with Clone Wars? Not not necessarily. I mean, we're always working. I mean, it probably doesn't seem the way to fans, at least on Clone Wars, but we're always working very fast. I know it took a long time for some things to come out, but... You know, when we actually finish something and when the audience sees it can be very different. So, um, like I said, a lot of what we're doing is based on our experiences uh, with uh, Clone Wars. So it's it's all pretty pretty relative. We're just trying to do the best of what we did well and then improve some areas that we thought could be improved. And uh, before I let you go, because uh, we, uh-huh. we, we do have to wrap up, um, uh. <laughs> unfortunately... Um, can you give us any more info about what fans can expect to see at Celebration Europe 2? Clone Wars well, or Rebels? I'll be very, very honest. I'm, I'm, not the, uh, I'm not the best person for that information because I've been so uh, busy making this show and, and finishing Clone Wars that I kind of have my head in, in that for the most part. I know that... Uh, Mark Hamill is going to be there. Uh, Anthony Daniels, Warwick Davis, Peter Mayhew, Jeremy Bullock. I think Carrie Fisher are all going to be there, which is, I mean, think about that. Right there, there's enough reason to go. <laughs> I mean, you, frankly, you don't even need me to go because that's that's Star Wars right there. So Celebration is one of those awesome times that I just sit back and uh, – you just you know it just blows your mind and and everything about a celebration is great for fans that get to go to those there's nothing like it if you've been to comic-con comic-con's great and it's its own thing but celebration is really a celebration of star wars and the, the specificity of that is you know i think something that makes it really special and it's everybody there for one thing and one reason that they all love star Wars. And, and, and that really resonates the whole time. Um, on the rebels, uh, front, you know, we will be, we, I guess being me, we'll be talking about it and, uh, you know, we'll probably get a look at some of the vehicles and what some of the environment art is going to look like in, in, in the rebel panel. So, and I'll see what I can, you know, squeeze out. You never know. I, I do my best to get you guys as much information as I can. And uh, I appreciate what it's like to stand in lines and, and get these tickets. And so I try to do as much as I uh, I possibly can. So uh, it, it's going to be, uh, I mean, it's going to be a, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's, every one of them has been different that I've been to, but they're, they're all the same and the people love Star Wars, and that's why they go. So I am... You know, when I get the time, it's when I get on that plane that I relax and I'm like, okay, I can't keep working, so I'm really going to enjoy this. There you go. And uh, it'll be different without you guys there, though. I love to drop in on you guys a little, you know, the little rebel visit. And, uh, you know, but that's what I mean. It'll be neat to see, like, fans that I don't really get to connect with a lot uh, in person. So, so that'll be different, and uh, to hear what their experiences have been like, I'm looking forward to that. Plus, you know, even if we had arrangements to go out there, you know, Swank would bail at the last minute, and no, he would. You know, it's, I won't tease him because I, you know, when he's working, that's something else, and I appreciate you know someone that works, especially in our field. Uh, so it's a lot of work and a lot of pressure, and 
you know, you doing all the radio things and, and him doing the arts and culture. I mean, that's a huge deal. It's very important to get people into the theater and especially theater of that nature. Uh, I grew up watching opera and going to the symphony with my dad and, you know, it definitely helped round me out as an artist and a director and creator. So we need people in the community that, you know, go out of their way to organize these things and bring the bring the audience into the theaters. It's, uh, you know, I think it's really important. We we sometimes just think entertainment happens and we show up and and there it is. But there's a lot of work behind the scenes. My production staff on Clone Wars. You know, they're never the people that really get to be out in front of the cameras. They're never really doing a lot of interviews, but we couldn't do anything without them. And I have to say, one of the things I was really excited about when we won the Emmy, besides having Kerry Silver there, you know, with us, obviously he's been a hugely important part of everything we've done, but we had Athena with us as well. And Athena Portillo, is, I mean, she's been a longtime Star Wars fan. Uh, she worked, uh, I believe, in the Insider and on licensing a long time ago. And she's just been a dedicated fan. She she doesn't accept a lot of praise for everything she does, but she, you know, is a to me a beacon for fans because she is really you know, as important as I am to the artistic side of things. She is to the production, and uh, it was great to have her there and be a part of that because she's a huge part of everything that went on in Clone Wars. Uh, so and often an understated part, but uh, yeah. So you know, I know Swank's out there, and he'd love to be talking, uh, you know, a little Clone Wars with us. But we will, you know, we will. I miss the comedy between you two. <laughs> you, know, you guys play off each other well. That's what I tune in for is the comedy. I already know the Star Wars stuff you're talking about. I don't tune in for that. I tune in for the comedy. Well, thank you, you know, sir. Or when Newman's on, yeah. you know, because Newman, you never know what he's. <laughs> you doing. never know what's going to come out of Kyle's mouth. You know, <laughs> you know, he's one of the most fascinating people, uh, you know, love Kyle. And, but, uh, yeah, you know, I miss the comedy duo, <laughs> the, the stylings of uh, you. I mean, I drew a cartoon of you guys. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have to know, put that up on our it's Facebook. It's a really page. great partnership. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, uh, it's it's the, the work of people like you guys uh, who make Star Wars, who keep us coming back for more. So uh, that's what makes it fun for us. And uh, awesome. and uh, just one more question about uh, yeah. Celebration Europe, too, is um, can fans expect to see anything from the Clone Wars bonus content there? Ooh, that's a good question. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's an indication or not. Um, I'm waiting for Tracy to email me and see what she says. If you stay tuned and we kill a little time, we can we can find out what she says. All right. Well, then back but, to hockey uh, talk. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Well, there we go. We'll see. Yeah, I could have made we'll up see. that answer on my own. We'll see. That's the official word. We'll see. But uh, we'll see. Uh, it's the official word. Uh, the odds are. I, I think the odds are. are probably pretty good so you didn't hear that from me though no 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 all you heard from me was we'll see <laughs> well dave i mean safe Officially. travels safe travels out to germany uh you know um I, I i'm glad that you were able to come on here and, and and of course you know you always give the right answers to our questions even <laughs> when you're not even answering our questions but i want I people know. to understand that um there there are surprises ahead for fans and uh just because we're talking with each other um, on a semi-regular basis doesn't mean that 
you're going to just come on and reveal all the the info about upcoming series and bonus content and all that. I mean, it, it goes through a process. And uh, my suggestion to fans who who get frustrated sometimes with that is just to uh, just to be patient and wait because the big prize isn't the teasers or the early reveals. It's when we actually get to see the material itself. And and I always want you guys to take your time to make sure you got it 100% right. It meets your standards as creators and matches our standards as fans and people who expect nothing but the best from Star Wars. And that's what you guys always provide. So be well, patient, everyone. And, you know, for fans, I just got to say that it's a, it's, a, it's a truly exciting time to, to be a, a fan of Star Wars. There's so much awesome coming your way i mean they you don't even realize it yet and i know that you know for now things trickle out and there's a lot of hearsay and i you know i just want to say as somebody that's been on both sides of this now just be cautious with you know what you think is true and what you believe and you know i think fans that have met me know, know what i'm about and the stories i like to tell and just you know there are a lot of people that love Star Wars as much as any fan, and they're all working on this. And I mean, from the top down, Cassie, she loves Star Wars. She knows George so well. Um, and, you know, I know she wants us to be great. Everybody that I've come in contact with that's, that's come aboard Lucasfilm wants this to be great. And I'm not just talking about Rebels. I'm talking about every aspect of Star Wars. And, and it's an exciting time. And I know that a lot of that excitement and a lot of the rumors just come from a place of people saying, but Dave, I can't wait. I want to know. I just want to know. And uh, like you said, when it's when things are ready to happen, when things are ready to come out, the fans, you know, will know. And it will all be very definitive, I'm sure. And then <laughs> you guys get really excited because I think Star Wars, you know, is in great hands. I think that things are going to move forward in an awesome way. I'm I'm super excited about what my little part of the galaxy <laughs> gets to be. And, uh, you know, I just, I couldn't have imagined it, right? In 2005. It is I couldn't have amazing. imagined that the future of Star Wars would, would go in the direction it has. But I think it's an exciting one. And, uh, you know, I keep saying, here we go. Here we once go. Once we start, it's going to be you know, light speed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what let's it feels like to that, my friend. Let's, and let's look forward to it. And I look forward to the costumes as always. <laughs> I can't leave that out. I love the costumes. I've seen a lot of Bo-Katan's getting made, which is awesome. I've seen more Ahsoka's costume getting made, which is awesome. The Captain Rex keep coming. More previslas. Cad Bane's. There has been an evolution of Cad Bane costuming. You know, I, I, I love it. I love the craftsmanship that goes into it, and I love the heart and the love of the characters that goes into it. And then when you see these people in these costumes and the kids come up to them, and when they, you know, when they hold character, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, when yes. the little kid meets the R2 unit, the R2 builder spent, what, months and months and months building these R2 units and their own money. And then they sit there. They don't get any of the credit. Because all the credit goes to the art too. Sure, that's sure. what the kid interacts with. But they just sit there and smile watching a kid interact. That's what I'm looking forward to, and we're you know a whole new generation is going to get that. 
Well, I'm all a, over again. You know, I'm, I'm rebels of seven, eight, nine with everything coming. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm 44 years old. If, if our two rolls in the room, I turn into that eight year old kid all over again. So I know what every you're time saying. I see him, I say hello. You, you have can't to. not do it. You have to. You, well, every time I see him, what are you cold hearted? You got to greet our two. Got to be polite. He's a nice guy. No, and you, and you have to give in to the fantasy at that point too. I mean, oh, why yeah. not? Well, he's real. I mean, it's our two. Him. Absolutely. Well, Dave, thank you so Mary much. Franklin's office. I know, I know our two guards, Mary's office. I know that. Of course. But you know what? It was so great to catch up with you. And uh, all right, man. There's just so much uh, optimism I I can feel coming off of you, and excitement. And I hope that everyone listening to the show feels the same thing because it's palpable and it's it's real and it's it's something that we're really looking forward to being able to experience a, a whole new era of Star Wars with Dave Filoni at the helm. So I'm glad you're sticking right, around. Hey, my good friend. luck to your Blackhawks. Thank you. Any predictions? And, you know, hey, Bruin fans out there, you know, good job beating my Penguins. But you, you got any predictions you know, I'm a for the more series? On the Blackhawks side this time. We, so. We're we're tied up two to two. Any predictions on how it's all going to end? I don't know. I think let's let's make it go seven because I want as much hockey as possible. All right, Wednesday you know, let's night go seven, and let's do two of the three games in overtime. How's that? All right, we'll take it to Wednesday night. We'll be hoisting the cup in Chicago, my friend. Yeah, I don't know who's going to consummate. I can't tell. I think Bergeron might get it if Boston wins. Uh, Tuca, he can't give up six goals and win at consummate. So I no. don't know who you give it to. Maybe. You know, Tate hasn't put up much on the scoreboard, but he's been a really inspirational player. It's hard. Who would you give it on the Blackhawks if Consumite? <sighs> well, it's tough. Can't to, give it to Crawford. No, you can't give it to Crawford. Uh, you know, um, boy, oh boy, it's uh, hard. It, it, it is hard when it comes to the Blackhawks because uh, give it to Quinnville because he's been an important person there. <laughs> give it to Coach Q. Why not? Why not? I but, don't know. Uh, well, you think about that. You can email Tracy with your answer. You know, that's an, it's something that's puzzling hockey analysts right now. Oh, it should be it's hard yeah. to identify the Smythe winner almost on either team. Interesting, interesting. Well, True team efforts this time. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, they're so evenly matched. No one individual is really stepping up and yeah. carrying the team on his shoulders. So, yeah. well, we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be exciting right, going down right. to the wire. Very good. All hey, right, nice talking to you. Tell, tell Jason I said hello. Will do, will and, do. Uh, Star Wars fans, may the force be with you. All right, Dave, take care. All right, buddy, take care. So much Star Wars, so little time. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Lots of ways that you can play along with us between now and next week. You can send us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com. That is show at rebelforceradio.com. The voicemail line, if you'd like to leave us same, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. Follow us on Twitter at Rebel Force Radio. We're also available as individuals at Jimmy Mac Radio at Jason Swank. And as we said earlier, you've got to be following us on Facebook. I mean it. Jimmy Mac is is the Star Wars equivalent of Matt Drudge. 
He's breaking stories left and right, and it's only happening on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Radio. Really, really great stuff. There's always, always something going on. Great conversations with other like-minded fellow Star Wars fans. It's a safe place. No trolls on our Facebook page. iTunes, you can subscribe and review Rebel Force Radio, and we appreciate both. Please do that. It helps create more visibility for the show, and those reviews, especially those five-star reviews, help. Only rule, make it good. If you're carrying around an iPhone or an Android device, you'd like to have Rebel Force Radio with you all the time, try Stitcher. It's a great app. But not just Rebel Force Radio, but all your favorite podcasts. You can download it for free today at Stitcher.com. And if you have a mobile browser, you can stream the shows right off of our website, the official website, rebelforceradio.com. Point your browser there. We've got a mobile-optimized version of the site all ready for you. Very cool stuff. And that is at shotglassdigital.com, the official network for Rebel Force Radio. Our episodes of Clone Wars Declassified also available over there. Bondcast for you James Bond fans. Or up to Goldfinger. Snide Remarks Radio, if you're a fan of that show, and a lot of folks that listen to Rebel Force Radio are. Uh, Jim, you and your lovely wife do that show just about each and every week. Also, ADH Divas and Blackhawk Talk. Big, big, big times going on in hockey these days. Huge. Huge. I guess they got, like, championships and stuff. I don't know. you got to listen to Blackhawk Talk for all that. More programming coming soon, of course. That's all, once again, at Shot Glass Digital. We're out of here. We'll see you next time. Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. So at the end of every show, I picture you on those vibes. But now my mind pans just behind you, and there's Bill putting the star puffs on the vintage vintage Leia Barbie. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm putting on the star puffs. What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs>